ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, you can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening, you're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Welcome to Omega Man Radio Network. Today is a live program, and I'm going to uh, try to do a show today on my Skype midday. We'll see if this connection holds up. I'm going to have special guest today, Zeph Daniel. Friends know me, Zed Ja, and it's an honor and pleasure to uh, welcome him back again. And we're going to um, potentially open up lines today if you'd like to call us in the second hour, depending on his schedule and availability. And our call in line today would be 917-889-2745. We're going to be talking about everything out of the sun. We're going to be talking about the Super Bowl of the end times that we're all living in. We'll be talking about uh, what's going on with uh, the New World Order. Um, And we may be taking your calls. But uh, we'll bring him on uh, right after this break. I'm going to be playing a song now uh, from Zedjak called Free Flag. Enjoy this, and then we'll be on with Zeph. Oh, 
guest today on Omega Man Radio. His uh, website is Zeph Daniel, that's Z-E-P-H-D-A-N-I-E-L, dot podbean dot com. Let's get Zeph on the line. Zeph, are you with me today? I, I am I. Am I here? <laughs> yes, sir. You are there. <laughs> All right. Uh, nothing like a little uh, psychedelic, rebellious music to start off the day. Well, praise the Lord, man. I'll tell you. Um, Thank you for playing that. But it was, it was something coming through these speakers. It was uh, like listening to it kind of through a phone line, and it was just about maxing this thing out here. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that my, my laptop survived. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit Jimi Hendrix, a little bit uh, psychedelic, and uh, I think I even heard a little yeah, bit was, of Yngwie Steve Vai thrown in for good mix. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, um, you know, Six Was Nine was a Hendrix song from the uh, – Axis Axis Bold is Love album 1969 going way back then and I I changed the lyrics I just kind of did my own thing with it you could call it a cover if you like or or mangling Jimi Hendrix but anyway um it was uh, whatever it just happened uh recently uh out of the blue and who knew you know so so there it is but it was it was fun to hear you play it thank you very much now, let me give everybody a warning today. You may hear dogs. You may hear monkeys howl. You know, you never know what you might get down in the jungle. The natives might even start uh, playing. 
So this is a live program. You don't know what you're going to get. Um, but uh, so far, are you hearing me okay on this Skype connection, Zeph? I, I hear you very well. This was, uh, it was, you know, this is of the Lord because I have to tell you, when something comes together really quickly like this, like we just wanted to do a show and we tried to do it last week and we tried to do it another day. We tried, all of a sudden it just came together right now on Super Bowl Sunday. And um, I know a lot of people are really, they're, you know, they're hurting going into this weekend. You know, there's a feeling of like, here's what I, uh, what I get in the spirit is, you know, self-doubt, self-loathing, hatred, you know, that self-disgust, I'm lower than everybody else, everyone else is higher than me, you know, that kind of feeling, you know, going around that is, you know, definitely an attack by the enemy. And it's not true on top of that. But that's the that's the feeling I'm picking up on. And, and a lot of times on holidays, you get, you know, and, you know, Super Bowl Sunday is like a holiday in America. So you get that kind of, you know, vibe, if you will, that kind of feeling in the air. And again, for our people, it's it's something the enemy, the devil loves to throw that at us all the time. I mean, all the time. It's called oppression. We've got to fight it because it's not true. Man, that's the truth, people. Uh, you know, 2010 was a tough year, Zeph. I think everybody would agree on that. And then as we went into 2011, I started hearing the reports come in in January that uh, people believe that the dollar is going to drop by 50%. And I said, dear God, now i got to go through it a whole other year. I mean, it's just um, yeah. no relief from the oppression out there, it seems, um, uh, from the, you know, yeah. the dire news points. Yeah, we just got to not blame ourselves. You know, we're going through a, a change in the world and, this really tests faith. This is really re- where we really need to t- trust in the Lord and not in our own understanding, you know, not in our own, um, you know, not in other people necessarily for their solutions. Because uh, let's take the Egypt thing, okay? The Egypt thing's a perfect thing for right now. I mean, I, I'm old enough, so I've been through this before with uh, Jimmy Carter <laughs> another time just like this. Yes. With, uh, and I was, I was around when the... Uh, Anwar Sadat was uh, assassinated for having um, basically done a peace treaty with Israel. And so it's you know clear to me that's what brought on his assassination. And so here we are in another time similar to that, um, where back then we had the oil embargo. I mean, I don't know if, you know, probably not a lot of listeners will relate to the, the lines around the block to get gas. There were lines just... You'd have to wait hours to get, a t- you know, a couple. Not, you couldn't even fill your, your tank all the way. You'd get a few gallons of gas. It was rationed. Wow. Back then, in those days. And here we are again with this threat of the Suez Canal, Egypt again, and uh, the Muslim Brotherhood in the background, you know, making all these, uh, uh, you, you know, threats or uh, about, you know, let's get ready to attack Israel. You know, let's, let's throw out Mubarak. And get you know get the forces ready to throw Israel you know kill all the Jews and throw Israel in the sea. Now there's nothing new. We had the Nasser, the days of Nasser. We had the Yom Kippur War. We had the Six Day War, both of which Israel won, no no problem. And then Sadat actually softened his heart after he lost the war with Israel. He went to war with Israel. Okay, this is nothing new. And then what happened is. He recanted that. He softened his heart. He saw, maybe he saw Egypt in Bible prophecy, which is that e- Egypt will be restored in the end. In the end. 
Yes. Not on not on the way, but in the end, Israel will be restored. Isaiah 19. So it's 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 if we rely on the Lord during these times, these these tumultuous times, we will be okay. He he will steer us through, and we won't be going through these huge mood swings up and down. But if we rely on our own understanding, we rely on news reports or try to follow somebody like Glenn Beck, as much as I like Glenn Beck, you know, some of his stuff, I don't like all his stuff, but some of his stuff has been pretty good regarding communism and all that, but he's still not the answer. Or if you like somebody else, Alex Jones, he may have some accurate things to say, but he's not the answer. That's right. You know, even, you know, even though he may be earnest in what he's doing and various other people in the spectrum may, may, may say things that may comfort for five minutes, but it's not going to comfort us through the 24-hour period day to day. So I just I just tell people, you've got to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, God Almighty. You've got to have that relationship to get through it. The people of faith are going to get through this period, but, you know, I don't think... Look, we had sub-zero temperatures here. In New Mexico, it was minus six during the day. That's like Nome, Alaska or something. Man, that's cool. I mean, Good golly. <laughs> yeah, during the day, six below. I, I un, unheard of. It was like uh, the day after tomorrow, the movie, you know. <laughs> and and so you got some definite apocalyptic signs and all that. But again, um, you, you know, I almost feel like what we're heading into is a. Uh, I, I'm going to go against popular uh, gloom and doom predictions. I don't think we're going into gloom and doom right away. I mean, unless you want to call this gloom and doom. I, I see this as like the groanings and the the preparations and kind of a warning time. But I think we're going to be going into a time of, I won't call it prosperity, but and I won't call it malaise, but it's a time where there will be a, like a what you might call a relative peace, and it won't last forever, you know? Um, You've got a sense in a peace before the storm? Yes, a peace now through... Um, you know, through the 2012 election, and I'm not that the 2012 election means anything more than just an election, but I, it, it's like there'll be a calm before the storm, and you know, during that calm is is another time for preparation. It doesn't, you know, a wise, you know, wise person once told me, you know, when it when it's uh, when it's calm, prepare for a storm. When it's storm, remain calm. You know, that was, I think that's like a Chinese proverb. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, I've had it, uh, I've had it wrong before. Uh, I thought it was all over with back in, uh, 2000, 2008. Uh, Zeph, I got uh, so paranoid that, uh, I literally believe we were going into martial law at any moment. And I actually closed my business I had at the time and it cost me dearly because, you know, I had the impression that there was no money to be made, and I was selling herbal products at the time. So basically, I shut down operation and moved overseas. And uh, I sat over there for about a year, depressed, um, had financial woes, and then the Lord told me to pack my bags and get out and come back to the States. And that was in 2009. And so I said, God, you know, I'm I'm not going to try to pick the dates anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I just... Yeah. Uh, I've got to have an attitude change or I'm not going to make it, Zeph, because... Yeah, yeah, the the gloom and doom thing is is a killer. It's good because we're, really what it is is like fear-based thinking, too. Well, you know what Satan will do is he'll get you so so fearful, so paranoid, 
and you'll hear all these reports, you know, from the media. Now, I like Alex Jones, don't get me wrong, but uh, I was listening to that every day for a while, and it really started to affect me negatively. And not only him, but many other programs. And here's the point. Satan will get you paralyzed, and then you're not doing anything. And you're out of the fight. You're out of the battle. You're not doing anything productive. And uh, then my grandfather, who's got a lot of wisdom, he's about 78, 79 years old now. He said to me, he says, son, you've got to occupy till the Lord comes. You've got to be ready to meet him if he were to come back tomorrow. But if Jesus doesn't return for another hundred years, you know, you've got to be working till he returns. And if you're doing that, um, then, you know, this fear doesn't grip you. But, you know, also fear is not of the Lord. You know, we only need to fear Yahweh God. We don't need to fear the devil and what's going on around us, you know, if we know his son, Yeshua, Jesus Christ. So uh, at that point in time, when I realized what was happening, I was under a demonic attack to just to paralyze me. So I wouldn't be doing anything. I would just be sitting, spinning my wheels. You know, I had to have somebody pray for me. And I said, hey, I need some prayer today. I need you to rebuke a spirit of fear. And uh, I'll never forget, I had a, uh, a brother pray for me, a guy named Scott Lathrop, who I've had on the program a couple times. And uh, he prayed and um, rebuked the spirit of fear, and I started to do better. And it doesn't mean that I'm not concerned with what's going on around, you know, and the news doesn't depress me sometimes, but I have had an attitude change, and I realize that, hey, we've got to work until, you know, either uh, we see the return of uh, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, or we lose our heads one day. <laughs> but we've got to occupy till he comes. Yeah, literally. <laughs> well, it, it's no secret that, um, you know, our people are oppressed. You know, they don't have to be oppressed within, but from without are oppressed because the world is disapproving of this spirit of Christ, disapproving of the freedom that we have to follow him and not the world disapproving of the fact that we do not conform to what they tell us, disapproving because we do not kowtow in fear when they try to, and, and, you know, to social engineer us, to, to, to make us in that spirit of fear so that we will then vote for whatever their programs are, vote to be taken care of, vote for socialism, whatever it is the New World Order is ultimately going to be, which I believe is, is, is nothing, not really new. It's, it's, you know, the old communist conspiracy, but then it goes back thousands of years, you know. And uh, so they will, they are disapproving that we don't bow to Caesar. Disapproving that we're not phased by what they throw at us. Disapproving when we don't believe their news reports and, and their, um, you know, where we, uh, we question, you know, authority. We question uh, when they put lies before us, we, we spout out the truth. And they don't like that. And especially now with all these social networks and Facebook and, uh, you know, what was MySpace and all, all these things. Actually, YouTube, another, another great one. Um, this is kind of actually in a way been a blessing of God because it's held. Skype is another one where what we're on right now is doing tremendous damage to the enemy on a daily basis. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's interesting. I, 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 yes. I, I well, I would always choose, you know, Yahweh in the end. I would always choose Yahweh to win. I would always choose, you know, Yeshua to win. Uh, and has already, and we've already won in him. So we just can't be phased. And, you know, we need to do shows like this, like what we're doing now, to keep the people, you know, bolstered up, to give them a pep talk once in a while, because there is nothing to fear. And, you know, we're all going to die anyway. 
you know, that we're going to get old and die. You know, so we, how how can we go into that death in a good state? Well, first of all, by not focusing on it. Second of all, by being able to stand there and say, you know what, I did something. You know, I did something. I did something for the Lord. I did something that was right. I did something against this. Uh, I stood up against the, the evil, the darkness that was encroaching and trying to take over everything. You know, this this uh, this this evil and corruption that has you know gripped the planet. And what America is going through right now is just like a sobering period, and realizing you know what we screwed up as Americans. We fell down on the job. We went into the me generation in the 1980s. We, uh, yes. you know, we, we, we voted for ourselves. We, uh, we, we cared about our, our hairdos and our clothes and our, and our, uh, you know, our braces and our facelifts and we did our lattes and whatever else we got going on there. We became, you know, consumers, which is the ultimate in selfishness. And we're getting, uh, you know, we're getting, we're getting a, a rebuke for that. But it doesn't mean that we have to stay in that state. Absolutely. And I, I don't advocate giving up. Uh, I do believe that um, America is under judgment right now. But what do we do? Do we sit and not do anything about it? Do we still not raise the alarm and and try to make a change? I mean, look, I, I know that if, uh, if this country would repent right now, like uh, they did in Nineveh's time, you know, God may hold back his hand of judgment. Do I think it's going to happen? No, but is it possible? Yes. Could God give us more time? He has throughout the centuries. Um, you know, this was once a great nation, and I'm uh, I'm ashamed, Zeph, to be um, an American in a day where all of our factories have been, you know, are being dismantled, where we rely on the Chinese so much that we get everything from, you know, Walmart or Target, and if they were to pull the plug, we would be in some dire straits. We can't even make uh, tennis shoes anymore. Um, we we are a skeleton of our former self, and we still hang on to this, you know, America's the greatest country in the world. Well, an ideal maybe, but in practicality, uh, I think we've uh, fallen to the, the bottom of the heap. We've gotten fat and lazy, and I'm speaking to my, about myself here too. I need to lose 50 pounds right now. Uh, down in Georgia, it's the land of the hog. <laughs> And I look at right. Americans, well, but but you're you're, you're not going to stay in that state because you're no. you, you're talking about it, you're admitting it, you're you know we're all doing that, we're all admitting it now. America has gotten fat and lazy, and they're resting on the laurels of the hard work that was done back in the '40s and '50s, and now it's catching up with this nation, and uh, I feel sorry to be an American sometimes. I say it's sad to see what's happened. You know, well, there's two things we can do. You know, we can sit back and be complacent and say, okay, well, let's just let it go, you know, go to, you know, go to seed. Or, you know, we can pick up, uh, you know, like a metaphor of following Jesus. We can pick up the cross, you know, just take responsibility and do something about it. And that's what I have chosen to do myself is, you know, do something about it. I mean, okay, you played a song that was, you know, my, my version, you know, my being inspired by a Jimi Hendrix tune. Well, that Jimi Hendrix tune was American. You know? Yes. It was an American tune. He, Jimi Hendrix, was an American artist. And very American. He was very American, you know, <laughs> even though, you, you know, he may have been, you know, rebellious or thinking, you know, like in the 60s we were all – 
misguided because we thought we were rebelling against the old social order and what we were, we were rebelling against is we, were, we weren't rebelling, we were conforming, but we didn't know it. We were conforming to the satanic way of things, but we didn't know it. You know, like the hippie movement at that time, conforming to the, to the, uh, the first of the me generation and the first after the uh, New York Times and uh, Time Magazine declared that God was dead. That was official. I don't know if anyone remembers. I still remember the Time Magazine cover. God is dead. It wasn't, is wow. God dead? It's God is dead. And, um, you know, this whole move toward, uh, like, Obamacare and all that, and, uh, you know, it's really, it's really just the uh, crown jewel of socialism, okay? Well, I know what it is, but this happened back in the 50s. Back in the 50s, they tried to go with socialized medicine because they realized once you have socialized medicine, you can socialize everything else, yes. everything. It's got nothing to do with free health care. There's no, nothing for free unless you're an illegal alien. <laughs> hey, that's true. But, but, but the bottom line is it's, it's uh, basically so the government can tell you what to do, where you can work, what you can consume, how much money you can make. That's what it really is. People haven't figured that out. That's why they didn't, didn't want to tell us what it was when they were passing it. They didn't want to tell us what the health care thing really was, uh, uh, a mandate for the government to run, to run our lives, which means we would have fallen to, you know, ultimately to, to the KGB, ultimately to the Soviet Union. We would have fallen in the end. And then, of course, once we fall, you know, it's, uh, it's the United States and Israel that's the problem. Once we fall to this new world order, which is basically, you know, begins with socialism. Yeah. Uh, once we fall to that, then there's no one left to oppose it. So I believe God is, you know, as corrupt as Israel. And, and Israel is just as corrupt as the United States at this point. So, so here we are needing to uncorrupt ourselves. And remember what, we're the only ones who are really opposing this thing. As George Soros said, you know, recently, uh, with, with, with respect to the, the crisis in Egypt, he said, Israel is the problem. And before that, he said, uh, you know, at the, when he won the uh, Globalist of the Year Award in Canada, believe it or not, he won the Globalist of the Year Award. Okay, how's that for an honor? Wow. Anyway, he, uh, he said, America is the problem. American sovereignty is the problem. And then Barack Hussein Obama, the first Muslim president, um, yes. well, it doesn't matter what he says, but he's the first Muslim president. He said, uh, you know, the problem is that they are clinging to their Bibles and their guns, which means translate that. What does that mean? Traditional American values. You know, the, the old Boston Tea Party, the American Revolution, the War of 1812. World War Two, World War One, you know, where, where it, 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 I'll tell you, in the War of 1812 with America, it was doubtful America would survive because all we were back then was just a few ragtag people. And the Brits came in having already conquered Napoleon. They had beaten Napoleon, whooped him, whooped him at Waterloo. And he came was a formidable uh, war general. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And they came over here to meet this ragtag army. You know what they did? The first thing, one of the first things they did in the War of 1812 is the Brits burned down the White House. Wow. And the Americans had to be in full retreat. And then they got the, uh, all the Indians, you know, whom we call Native Americans now, but, you know, the Indian, the, the tribes out in the West and up in Canada to attack 
uh, American settlements along the Mississippi to take over the Mississippi River. And um, so our villages were burning along the Mississippi. The White House had burnt to the ground. Well, I mean, it was still like a little structure left there, but it was burnt down. And it wasn't until we got more organized, you know, and every battle we had with the Brits, we got whooped. So it was like they were re-prosecuting the War of 1776, was being re-prosecuted in the War of 1812. And basically it looked like we were going to lose and lose Mississippi and lose it all until the battle for Baltimore. And the battle of Baltimore was when things did turn around, where, where we did have some organization, we did get prepared and that's where the actual Star Spangled Banner was penned because we survived through the night where we shouldn't have. The Brits were very cocky. They thought this is a cakewalk. They're just going to take over. They thought they were just going to walk in and take back the United States. And there would be no, you know, no colonies. Take back the colonies, and that was the end of it. And then, of course, that, that then around 1813, 1814 led to at the end of 1814, the beginning of 1815, led to the battle for New Orleans. And that was uh, where we, where Andrew Jackson recruited all these people like, okay, freed slaves were paid the same wages as everybody else, okay? Smugglers <laughs> were employed. Um, poor farmers, who all they had was pickaxes and shovels, were employed. Um, I mean, people that were fighting for their lives. The, the country was literally fighting for its life and fighting for credibility in the world that thought the American experiment was over. It lasted about, uh, well, let's see, from 1789 to about 1812, not too long. But we whooped the British at the Battle of New Orleans, and with a ragtag bunch of people all very dedicated to one going out, the smugglers were, were the, the Brits were wanting to, do, you know, to put the smugglers out of business. So they joined Andrew Jackson and his, and, you know, his forces. Very exciting stuff. Um, you see, this is one of the things I like about Ziff, folks. He has got such a command of history, and you're a very articulate speaker. Uh, when I went to high school, Ziff, I took American history my senior year, and uh, they were still stuck over there on the Civil War, and I was wanting to learn about Vietnam and uh, yeah. World War II, and they said, uh, well, it's it's too recent in history. We can't look at it objectively. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have no, to this, say this, that... Uh, I got very poor education in the public school system. Yeah, yeah, well, also, you know, there's mind control and indoctrination, which is basically, you know, uh, leftist, uh, you know, what turns out now to be like socialist propaganda going on. In other words, well, let me finish this story of the War of 1812. So we won the Battle of New Orleans, meaning we won the right on the uh, eve of the New Year. It was New Year's. Yes. Uh, 1814 to 1815. And eight, so in 1815, it went around the world that we won that battle. But that, gave, that is where the United States got taken seriously, where the, where the, where the um, 1776 uh, revolution was tested. And America, maybe we barely hung on. But, you know, it was, and all kinds of things happened that the Lord brought storms against the British, you know, whirlwinds, tornadoes, all kinds of stuff. We're being hurled at the British, giving us, you know, advantage because we were outnumbered, outgunned, out everything. And we won, gained legitimacy in the world, became, you know, respected in 1815. And look how young we are, Shannon. I mean, look, we are from 1815 to now is not very long compared to all these other countries, certainly not compared to any European country. And, you know, so we're very young and and. 
this is why I believe that, you know, God can bless America because, see, the thing is, taking down America after such a short period of time in history, God's given every other country all, all so much more time, but America is going to be punished more than everybody else. Well, you and, know, we we are we have um, we were the country that was sending missionaries all over the world. We were the the country that was uh, supporting the Jewish people. You know, if you bless Israel, I'll bless you. If you curse them, I'll curse you. Genesis twelve three. And you know, if you true. look at it in that in that context of the the small amount of time that we have been a nation, you're all right. It's almost been like a flash in the pan. I would agree that I think it would be unfair if God didn't give us some more time, unless wickedness is waxed so greatly that um, it's like. Um, when the Lord came and visited Abraham, he said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham was, you know, trying to intercede for his uh, nephew Lot. And he said, you know, if there's 50 there, 20 there, he got down to 10. And there wasn't even 10 righteous men, and God destroyed it. I don't know, Zeph, uh, have we gotten down to that point? Um, where no, are all the righteous men gone, I guess? No, because we have your listeners out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might have at least 50 then. Uh, yeah, so there you go. So, so you don't, no, I don't. Using that formula, yes. using that formula, I do not believe that we've gone below that uh, threshold. I know that God still loves this country, and He there are still good people here. You know, if you look at the uh, the televangelist, and you were to use them as kind of the uh, the measure of where the church is, you'd say, well, we've fallen into apostasy. But then my grandfather has to remind me, he was an old, uh, he's a retired minister, served God 50 years of his life. He says, look, there's still some good people out there. They may not have the uh, the national forums, they may not have their Learjet or their television show, but they still love the Lord, and and I know the Lord sees them. You know, it's just like Elijah thought he was the last one, and there were 7,000 hidden in the cave. So, no, I think it's only that that we've lasted uh, till now, and I praise the Lord that there's still some good people out there that love the Lord, but... You know, we, we I, haven't we haven't gone. Um, I mean, like the the the, the whooping that uh, that the uh, settlers got, the, the the colonies got uh, with the Brits in, in that at that War of eighteen twelve. You know, losing having the White House burned to the ground and stuff like that. We haven't seen that kind of thing. See what I mean? I mean, we're seeing it in a way economically, but I mean, we the the, the um, at that time it's like everything, every challenge we went up against, we lost. You know, until finally we, 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 you know, got some backbone and got organized, you know. So just because we're getting trounced now doesn't mean we're not going to learn from it. Well, you know, what so, you said about uh, Obama, or shall we call him Barry Satoro, does anybody know his real name? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. He's the first Muslim president. I want to make a comment on that, though, that, uh, you know, I think it was Sun Tzu. He said the uh, the most advanced form of warfare is to um, beat your enemy and not even even have fired a shot. I'm kind of paraphrasing Sun Tzu, but isn't that what the Muslims have done? They have got one of their own in the White House, and they didn't even have to fire a shot. And God forbid he were to uh, crank up Sharia law here in the States. But um, clearly, I think people are waking up to the fact that they put a Muslim in the White House, and they're angry about it. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, make no mistake about it. That's what happened. And uh, he, he, he runs to the church, you know, run to kind of try to get some, some Christian cover. But, you know, we all kind of know. He's already said in his book he would side with the Muslims. So that's, I'm going from that. 
And, um, you know, he, he did another thing where he, he was trying to order. Now, now, here's the good news. When he speaks, nobody listens. So, um, <laughs> you know, he has no gravitas. He's got no respect around the world, which is bad for us. It's bad for us that he's he that there's a power vacuum in the White House. Um, but, Absolutely. you know, he, he was barking at, at Mubarak to get out, get out now. Remember, you know, get out, get out now, <laughs> you know. And nobody listened to him. And then suddenly he reversed himself when he put his finger in the wind and said, oh, okay, get out when you feel like it. So he reverses himself every other day. That's why he has no credibility. You know, he keeps trying to be all things to all people. Then, then oddly, the most bizarre thing in the world is it's Ronald Reagan's birthday today, I believe, for really? his 100th birthday. would be his 100th birthday. And he's trying to wrap himself in the, in the legacy of Ronald Reagan, of all people. And the the thing that's so bizarre about that is, Man, is Reagan, that. <laughs> Reagan fought the communists. He was, yes. you know, if, if any, I mean, it's flawed. It's, you know, all these presidents are flawed, but he fought communism. He fought socialism. Even back in the 50s, I have a, a YouTube on my uh, Facebook right now that just shows a one-minute clip where he made a recording about socialized medicine in the 50s. And, you know, the, what, what the whole purpose of it is. So he's been... Oh, my goodness. You know, Everything Obama is for, Obamacare, Reagan spoke against. So how yes. ironic that, that, that Obama would try to wrap himself in the legacy of Ronald Reagan, you know, of course, this weekend uh, of all times, when Reagan was against everything Obama stands for. I mean, know, so, yeah. so, yeah, but Obama is, of course. You know, he is definitely, he's our punishment. You know, the Lord is yes. him. He is... Our punishment. We must learn from from from. This is our fault. He's the uh, slave master that uh, Israel got um, because of rebellion against God. You know, um, I have no doubt in my mind that um, the puppet masters of the Illuminati, the New World Order system, installed Obama, and his mission is to disassemble, to break apart. Everything that we've worked hard for since this nation was founded, and basically break us down to such a point that um, we're sold off to the highest bidder, and then there's nothing standing in the way of the new world order um, acquisition of the whole world. They've got to destroy America economically, spiritually, socially, for this phoenix to rise out of the ashes. That's what they want to do. Yeah, and and don't forget Israel as well. And um, how many people now have gone against Israel? I mean, it's almost Zechariah 12, you know, in in in, you know, in full bloom. And uh, you know, look at everyone turning on the, you know, the UN, the Vatican has turned against Israel now. You've got uh, you've got uh, all the, you know, everyone around Israel. Um, there's no Mubarak when he goes. Then probably most likely Egypt will return back to its, you know, wanting to go to war with Israel as as the Muslim Brotherhood. You know, it, it's going on and against the United States. But this is all the Muslims are simply the military arm of the Communist Party. That's what they are. They're the military arm of the Communist Party. Uh, the Communists never gave up um, with the Cold War. And no, Ronald Reagan did not win the Cold War, um, as people had credited him with, because the Cold War didn't end then. They kept going. They infiltrated us silently. They infiltrated us and uh, corrupted us from within. This is what they wanted yeah. in the 50s, is it not, with the uh, the McCarthy hearings? And we said, you know, 
communism is our number one enemy. What do they call exactly. it back then? Was it called the Red Scare? Right. And so, uh, you know, we thought we had suppressed communism, but here we got 50, 60 years later. I think communism's got the overhand, and they've got, you know, again, one of their own in the White House. If, you know, I'm not an expert on whether he's a socialist, a Marxist, communist, but I will tell you this. What, what's scary is when uh, Venezuela, Chavez makes a comment that uh, <laughs> Obama is more of a comrade than, uh, than him. Or you've got Russia yeah. shaking their head and saying, we can't believe what's happening. You're, you know, you're more communist than we were. It's yeah, almost like absolutely. reversed and flipped roles, Zeph. Well, this is what they need in order to, for, for this new world order, this global elite, um, you know, run by these uh, elites uh, enslaving the planet. Uh, and then don't forget the eugenics. Don't forget the, the plan of depopulating the earth by some five billion people. To, to get uh, the right population numbers. And, uh, I mean, people don't even realize today how brutal, you know, you've got to go back in the history to look at, uh, you know, Stalin, and you've got to look at Mao, and you've got to look at how many hundreds of millions of people were just executed, imprisoned, interned. The, the, uh, I've been reading from a, a book that's published by Harvard University, oddly enough, called The Black Book of Communism. And I'll do more YouTubes on this. I just was reading an account of a guy that was in, you know, a Westerner, uh, an Italian guy that was in uh, in prison in an interned in in, in, um, in the fifties in uh, China, and he was going, you know, and about the brainwashing techniques to get everyone to submit to the party. They have to destroy the individual completely and totally, and if they can't conform that individual, they must kill him. They must kill people that cannot change. That's part of the, the whole plank of communism. Now, the great pastor Richard Wormbrand, the, the uh, founder of the uh, Voice of the Martyrs, yes. and uh, author of so many books, okay, well, he called communism Satanism. He said it really is just a secular name for Satanism. Amen. The inner circle of the Communist Party worship the devil directly, and that's why they have uh, execution for anybody, which would also, in, in, when you translate it, when you connect the... Muslim Brotherhood did this whole thing. Uh, execution means beheading. Read the book of Revelation. Beheading. That's right. So, That's the modus operandi of execution in the end days. Is They want to take your head, folks. And, you know, I've always said, Zeph, that Satan is diversified. One way or the other. <laughs> Satan is diversified. He doesn't get everybody with the same trap. You know, that's why there's so many religions out there. At the end of the day, if you don't choose Jesus Christ, Yeshua in Hebrew is your personal Savior. You're not going to make it, folks, and uh, you'll fall into one of these traps that he set. Just as Zeph said, they want to take the world population down to 500 million. Zeph, that means they've got to kill five to five and a half billion of us then. Yeah, and that's no problem for them because they have experience throughout history of doing that very thing. And, see, no, Americans have not seen what brutality is yet. And, and, and if they ever get these camps going and start interning people because the, oh, you know, it could be a scenario like a World War III type of thing, martial law, whatever, um, you know, break the back of the Americans directly. As the big new Brzezinski said, it's easier to kill a million people than control a million people. Man, isn't that what Stalin did in his purges? You know, he what, he killed uh, oh, yeah. 20 to 30 million? Well, the purges, I believe the purges, we're going to start seeing the purge now with more and more uh, elected officials and other, you know, leaders 
who will not conform to this are really in danger from stealth assassins, even as we speak today. I have you know, no doubt is, about it uh, that they use that as a as a, a way to take out the the opponents. Uh, when I was working up for the Department of Defense, Zeph, I worked there from about age 20 to 26. I was living up in northern Virginia back in the 90s, and uh, I needed to make some extra bucks, so I would work part-time doing security on the weekends. And uh, there was a guy that I used to relieve on a Saturday morning. He did the night shift. I came in and went 7 to 7 in the morning, and he was an ex-CIA agent. And uh, he had been uh, drafted into the uh, the agency back during NAM. And he worked with him for over 20 years. And, of course, he wouldn't tell me anything that was classified, but we used to have some interesting dialogues. Before I continue, let me do a sound check. Can you still hear me on this connection? Sound great. Okay. So this friend of mine, he was uh, he was working private security. And I said, uh, what are you doing? He says, I'm retired, but I'm going back to night school, and I'm going to get my degree in chemical engineering. And he said, this just gives me an opportunity to make a couple extra bucks and actually study and get paid for it. So uh, what was interesting is my friend uh, was doing research on a thing back then. He called it the buckyball. It was basically you take a molecule and you go in there and you, you take a shell and you inject in it what you want. It was basically germ warfare manufacturing. And he said he was part of a, a group where this uh, particular... Uh, science was spread around 10 universities, and nobody worked on the overall puzzle. You got a piece of it. It was compartmentalized, so not one person had the whole ball of wax. But uh, that's what he wanted to do, and he was going back to school. And, you know, he would uh, he would have a Washington Times with him, and he would say, Hey, have you read this article about the Chinese invading the Spratly Islands? And I said, No. I knew he wanted to tell me something, so I would say, Well, you know, what's up with the Chinese and Spratly Islands? And he would go in to tell me this little obscure uh, news reference was in the back of the uh, the newspaper. And um, the Chinese had actually invaded these islands so they could put a, a deep water submarine base and they could control that area, I think, of the Pacific Ocean. And then, you know, another time I went in and we were talking and we got off on uh, on Africa. And this was the first guy who told me and planted the seed in my mind that... Uh, AIDS was uh, created by the uh, military-industrial complex. He said, what do you know about Africa? He said, uh, what are they rich in resources for? I said, well, I heard they have diamonds and probably some gold. And he finished the sentence. He kept on telling me all the things they had. And he said, did you know one in four have AIDS? And he says, uh, AIDS has been unleashed over there to kill the population, kill the black man, so there'll be a vacuum, and then they're going to invade the continent for its resources. So we would have these kind of conversations. You know, it was very interesting. And one day I just asked him straight out. I said, is it true that the CIA assassinates people? And, you know, at that time, this was probably, what, uh, 94, you know, our official policy was, no, we would never assassinate anybody. JFK had signed an executive order. Well, you know, if as you follow history, Bush later rescinded that. But he said, look, we continue to do it. He says, if you get on um, their crap list, you'll find yourself floating face down in the Potomac River. And that, you know, kind of said something to me, um, that there are some powerful forces behind the scene. Now, where was I going? I got lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, you were going to the, the assassination of a purge. Uh, oh, the, the, a purge. yes. The, 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 the purge, purge is going on. It's going on Ab- now. Absolutely, and, folks. Um, you have those agents that are still in operation, and they'll take you out. 
Well, I mean, we don't know many... if it's CIA or we don't know exactly, you, you know, if it is in the CIA, then they would be traitors to the United States. You see what I mean? You would have to have rogue agents or double agents who would then be really working for the, the KGB, which never went away. It just it just went underground. And they would. So in effect, the Cold War would still be going and these assassins would be reporting for work at Langley or whatever. <laughs> and, um, you know, at the same time, uh, it, it would show me a CIA that is deeply factionalized between people that are, you know, traditionalists and would like to see the country survive and others who want to bring this new world order in. And they're fighting it out probably behind the scenes, what we can't see, what stays out of the news. And let me just and, correct something here. I want to just make sure everybody didn't misunderstand me. I love America. I'm very patriotic. You know, if uh, if I knew that we were actually uh, under siege, Zeph, by a foreign force, as we were in World War One, World War Two, you know, I would you know I would go to war. I would volunteer. But unfortunately, I think you pegged it right. I think what has actually happened is the the Cold War never ceased, and as right. we said that you know we're going to draw down our military. We're not going to make nukes anymore. We're going to take the um, the missile codes away from the sub commanders. You know, according to Al Cuppet, he said they even hey. put semen in some of the tubes. Um, you know, we took our twenty uh, four hour um, what was that that um, a bomber that would you know fly around twenty four hours. We took that yeah. off of uh, alert. Uh, I believe that uh, Russia has just amped up their efforts. You've got China, too. You know, publicly, we know that they, they have continued to make some of the most state-of-the-art nuke missiles. You've got uh, China has just uh, released a video of, of one of the the most incredible uh, attack fighter jets of all time. It can do loops around our F-16s. You know what? They have not removed um, us from the crosshairs, and that leads me up to something else. Do you remember... You remember the movie in 84 called Red Dawn? Uh, one of my favorites, uh, a total classic, John Milius. John Milius was like the Elijah figure back then, sounding the alarm. People, wake up. People, you didn't know that Zeph and I have a love of movies. We could just talk for hours about movies, you know. Um, Red Dawn, do you know that they have just remade it, and it's in the can waiting for release? And, and how long is it going to wait? <laughs> Forever? That's a good question. <laughs> Go to the, uh, the IMDB database. It was wrapped up like last October. But here's the interesting right. part. You know who the uh, who attacks us and invades us this time? You know, last time it was the uh, the Cubans and the Russians, right? Yes. I still believe that we're going to be invaded by those two, but now it's the Chinese. Absolutely. It, it's, um, you know... The, the idea of this uh, START treaty um, and the idea that this that we're going to be limited to 1,500 nukes each, Russia and us, you know, why did that have to be so hurriedly signed? Why did that have to be so hurriedly rushed through? And, it, it, you know, and then we had Clinton during the 90s giving the Chinese all every, every secret we had, including supercomputer day, uh, technology and all that so they could uh, build their weapons all the faster. So it just looks like one trader after another setting up the, you know, the problem to be eliminated. In other words, so that they can go up against the United States, destroy this country you know, militarily, take over, which was like a vision I had. I had a vision that um, all the Americans were dead, and this was some years ago, and I put it out you know, publicly. It was one of those sort of visions that you have to put out there publicly that the Lord wanted me to put out there, that um, if nothing changes... 
there will be no more Americans. There will only be foreigners here on this soil, you know, running factories. And, you know, life was going on. Factories were stoked up. Things were happening. Manufacturing was back. But it wasn't Americans. It was like, you know, they were speaking Chinese. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember the uh, the movie probably mid-'80s, late-'80s with Kevin Costner, and he played a mole? He was like a... Yeah, uh, Right, I've just now now it was on the tip of my tongue. He's a Navy officer. That. They uh, they track track him down up to the Pentagon, and he's running to the Pentagon. Right, uh, that was not called No Way Out, but that, uh, um, you know the one I'm talking about. Basically, we had a yeah. mole that was in a high level of the government, and he was put in there as a young man. You know what? What if that is the the truth? What if actually uh, for the last fifty or sixty years? The communists, okay, they've continued to embed and invade secretly high levels of uh, government, even our security spy agencies, okay, and they've gotten their men into key positions, and uh, it's taken them 50 to 60 years to get everything put together, but now their goal is to sow misinformation and dissent and let that be the fermentation of a... Uh, a civil war that Dmitry Dudeman talked about. You remember Dmitry Dudeman said that yes, there's going to yes. be riots going on, a civil war, and as the government is busy dealing with this internal revolution, the Russian Spetsnaz, who know where our nuclear power plants are, are going to sabotage them, and then we get Red Dawn invasion. you got Mexico, Cuba, Nicaragua, and oh. Central America. Oh, yeah, and, and that, those are fierce. For, that would be a, an easy a cakewalk for them. They now, just walk across open border and and there's the southwest gone it would be very anyway but that's what's setting up that we are in the crosshairs around the world and so is israel don't forget israel and us we share that and, and people here a lot of them seem to be going along when you go yes. secular and you go you know liberal okay that's fine you're a liberal but then there's an indoctrination process to get you to become a leftist further to the left of liberal. And then there's another indoctrination and mind control kind of uh, thing to get you into becoming a socialist and then further to become a, you know, hardline communist. It's a progression. You know, I suppose if you took the extreme right wing, you could say, okay, there you, you become an extreme right wing. Um, I don't know. You, that, that's where you get rogue agents and you also get, uh, you get racism, you know what I mean? White supremacy movements. Yes. You also have black supremacy movements. You have uh, Native American supremacy movements, you know, on the extreme right that are militarized. And then there's a point where this extreme right and the extreme left meet and are copacetic together. Yes. In their ex in their extremes, and then they unite together to kill the rest of us. So um, it, it goes back to the human heart, which Jeremiah said the heart is. Uh, Deceitful above all else, and and um, wicked, and you know. So we go to the human heart. Could we then? Isn't this just the same uh, fallen human condition that would then seek to destroy all of us? That we would essentially destroy ourselves. Getting back to the spiritual battle of this thing, you well, know. Amen to that. If left unchecked, if left. If we have a military without God, if we have a, a political body without God, if we have a life without God, we will destroy ourselves. It may take the form of the communists invading the capitalists or whatever, but it's us just in the end 
the human family, if you will, we're all human beings, it will be human beings destroying human beings until there are none left. What is the common denominator in all this? It is that absent of a relationship with Yahweh God and His Son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, we're toast, folks. And Satan will gain a foothold in your life. And we could talk uh, for years about all the, the bits and pieces of the conspiracy. We could be talking about the Bilderbergers, the the Trilateral Commission, the CFR, the uh, Council of Rome, um, the Illuminati, the Bohemian Grove. We could just go on and on talking about the different pieces in all this. But if you get up to the top, you're going to find the same person, and that's Satan, who yeah. wants to bring about yeah. his new world order. And uh, we've got a situation where we're critical now, Zeph, because the watchman who should be awake up on the walls looking for the enemy fell asleep drunk. <laughs> okay, in fact, and the the enemy is already in the gates. It's late in the hour. Oh, yeah. I call this program the Super Bowl of the end times because that's what we're going into. <laughs> oh, it's, it, it is because it's for our very lives. Well, I had the thing of the War of 1812 where we came out heroic because guess what? These guys prayed every day, every battle. Didn't matter what race they were. Didn't matter what economic strata. Didn't matter whether they were smugglers, sl- you know, slaves rather freed slaves, uh, uh, you know, petty criminals, you know, poor farmers, whatever. Everyone got together and prayed because it was, you know, David versus Goliath. Amen. And, uh, we're up at the top of the hour. We need to take a short break. Zeph, do you have time to stay with us for a second hour? Uh, sure, of course. Praise God. Folks, uh, you're listening to Omega Man Radio. Before I take this break, Zeph, go ahead and give out your contact information, please. Well, everything, uh, you can get to everything just at ZephDaniel.com, and that will lead you to, you know, that, that will lead you to everything. So ZephDaniel.com. Okay, folks, we're going to take a, about a five-minute break. Uh, then we're going to be back with my special guest today, Zeph Daniel, um, also known in the music industry as Zedja. I'm going to play another track, and then um, we'll be back with him. We may, we may even take some of your calls today. If you'd like to call and speak to Zeph, the number is 917-889-2745. If you'd like to weigh in on this conversation of where we're headed in America, we'd love to hear from you. And we'll be right back after this song. Stay with us. And I said before, if you want to find a lot of demons, go to church. There you can be sure you'll find a bunch. They're roosting all over God's people. They're binding them down. They're choking them off. And somebody has to care because people are bound. And if it isn't the chosen of God, I don't know who's going to care. If it isn't those whom God has called out, if they don't care enough to lay their lives on the line, I don't know who's going to do it. As a sad scripture says, I looked for a man and I found none. God looked for a man. He couldn't find anybody. Everybody was doing their own thing. People to war, all-out war, a war in which no quarter is given and no quarter is asked. The order of the day remains, attack, attack, attack. That's God's marching order. And that's our marching order here on Omega Man Radio. We want uh, to raise up an army of people that will stand in the gap in these end times and put people out of the fire, because, folks, eternity is without end. 
And when your spirit leaves the body, it's over with. You're going to be with God or you're going to be uh, in hell waiting for the white throne judgment. So we need to wake people up because time is short. Let's get our special guest back on the line, Zeph Daniel. Zeph, are you back with me? I am here. Well, praise the Lord, man. Um, It's good to have you on the program, and I'm really enjoying this. Um, So you were in some tumultuous times, I have no doubt about it. And, um, you know, the enemy would like to see this country destroyed, sold off, us sold into slavery. And it's looking like he might win. But uh, I do believe if people would wake up and repent and uh, get off their lazy butts and say, hey, we've been asleep, maybe asleep too long. We need to wake up and do something about it. Um, Maybe God would give us some more time here. And you mentioned Israel. We can't forget about Israel, folks. Israel is our brothers. You know, we're part of the commonwealth of Israel. We were grafted in to the olive tree. They're the natural branch. We're the wild branch. And uh, they're our brothers and sisters. And I've been to Israel twice, Zeph, and I will tell you that a lot of apostate people over there. But you know what? I take exception with these people that say, you know, it's all the Israel's fault and Jews' fault. You know, that's an anti-Semitic spirit. Those same people that will attack Israel, I believe they've got a spirit of Hitler in them. Because, you know what, there's some rotten apples in in every country. But you know what, the minute we um, we ditch on supporting Israel, then I think really we've signed our death warrant. And that's probably why we've been allowed to stay around as long as we have, because we have been the only country in the world that has been pro-Israel. Um, I'm ashamed that we have leaders that go over there and think that they can cancel God's um, land deed that he gave Israel. You know, because the land that we're forcing them to give up to the uh, the Palestinians and so forth, that's the land that God gave them. We don't have a right to tell Israel to give that land away. But So uh, I would like to see a policy change, but um, I guess I'm that's just wishful thinking. What do you think? <laughs> I think we got to pray for Netanyahu, too, to, you know, to get back to the way he was about 20 years ago. <laughs> he needs some balls again, doesn't he? Yeah, I, well, you, I was going to say that, but now you've said it. So there it is. He, he just seems too conciliatory to me, and uh, he used to be a lot bolder, you know, and now he seems kind of worn down or something. You know, when and he got uh, ousted uh, that first time, you know, when he was making a comeback bid, you know, he, he spoke the talk, but he's not walking the walk. Um, and, you know, yeah, every well, time that we have forced him to give up land, God has judged us. Look at what happened during Katrina. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, parallels, too. I mean, are we willing to, say, give up, uh, say, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas? Uh, Should we just give that away to um, South America and Mexico and whatnot because that's the right thing to do, you you know, to to bring peace? Would that – and would it bring peace? If Israel gives up land, would it it bring peace or would it be an affront to God? You know, it, it's it's these are not easy questions, and um, but I know this. Once you start giving land away, um, there's no end to it. You know, it, it's kind of like giving our sovereignty away. Once you start, you know, getting to the point where you say that our liberties come from the state and not from God, there's no end to the tyranny that will follow then, because it, it's an insult to God to do that, to say. To, to make a change in policy to say that our liberties come from, uh, you know, the goodness of humanity or from the government or something to that effect. When God gave us our liberties, he gave this land, 
you know, our land here in America, he gave us uh, victories where, where we didn't really completely deserve them in terms of our strength because we didn't have much strength. Um, but anyway, I, I think also in our schools, you know, the upbringing I had was I had nothing but sort of Marxist professors the whole time I went to school. And it would say things like, you know, God is the enemy, you know, people that, you know, to vilify people that read the Bible, to vilify people that believed in in, in, in Jesus, to, to vilify all them as, you know, calling them racist and different, you know, to, to say that uh, all this is stolen land, um, that, you know, it was all stolen unfairly from the people who really deserve it, that the people were all living in peace. Obama said this. People are all living in peace here, the, the Mexicans, the Indians, you may recall that speech, all living in peace here. And then, and then what he didn't say, what he implied, until, you know, the, the white Europeans got here. And then they, of course, brought war. Brother, have you heard this term, Reconquista? Yeah, Reconquista, yeah. Uh, for those, explain what the definition of that is for those who are listening out there never heard that before. Well, it's a reconquest of uh, of the land that that, that was uh, unfairly taken. It's, it's also a re, a re to to the people that you know. It also goes along with La Raza and everything else. Right. Um, you have a tremendous uh, groups out there who want to you know retake the land back that they feel was stolen from them, particularly in the Southwest. But let's face it, not just in the Southwest, but everywhere. Right. Everywhere, and, but but we see it most prominently in the Southwest. But it's everywhere. It's it's you know the Dakotas. It's 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 all the United States, brother. Okay. It's um, we're being invaded now. I believe in giving people a right to immigrate if they do it properly. But um, surely, if we wanted to um, protect the border, we would have done so. And I think I just heard recently they've canceled the. Uh, the uh, the wall that they're building, which is a farce anyway, but you know I believe that the the, the plan of the new world order is to uh, have America invaded and turn us into just one large landmass mixed in with Canada and Mexico, and um, I see it all the time. I live up in Gainesville, the chicken capital of the world, as they call it, and uh, you'll go out there and you'll see um, you know five to one Latinos to American. Now let me say something to you folks before you call me a racist. I'm not. Some of you know me. I'm married to a Colombian. I have a son who's Mexican. I have a grandson who's black, and I have four nephews and nieces that are Vietnamese. <laughs> this has got nothing to do with color and race. That, no, that's not in my tactic. not in my family. But uh, that's their tactic. See, they bring the racist racism in. It's yes. these forces that want the new world order. They're the ones who teach the racism. You know, uh, who's the biggest? Okay, the biggest racism going on now, I guess, besides. Uh, the anti-Americanism and whatnot, which I guess would be anti-colonialist. Um, you have anti-Jew, um, okay? Anti-Semitism, we talked about that. That's spreading like wildfire right now. And that has to be taught. That has to be taught to be... You don't just learn that on your own. That has to be taught to you somehow. Brother, that's a lie out of the, uh, the pits of hell that... Uh, this is all a Jewish conspiracy. In fact, I've had to kick many friends off of my Facebook page because they start attacking Israel. And folks, if if you curse them, you're going to be cursed. Genesis 12 and 3. Uh, they have their own problems just like we do here. But um, God but is going. Chad, to... 
Go ahead, yeah, they'll, they'll just say, Well, they'll just say right there with what you just said. They'll say, we are Israel. Now, come on, I mean? folks, that's bull crap. We are, we are not <laughs> Israel. We did not supplant them. Now, we have been adopted in through Jesus Christ, but God st- still has his natural branch. He still has his commitment to, uh, to Abraham that he made to carry out, and he's going to see Israel restored. In fact, doesn't the word say, Zeph, that there's a time of the Gentiles coming to an end? Well, the Gentiles comes into fullness. Okay, you're talking yeah. about Romans 11. Yeah. And, and Romans 11, I can see why a lot of these people also are anti-Paul. You've probably seen the anti-Pauline movements out on YouTube sure. and online. Sure. There's a huge campaign to get rid of Paul, but the, there's a reason for that. Because, see, they don't want... Uh, things like Romans 11. See, it's really an anti-Jewish movement. Get rid of Paul. Get yes. rid of the veracity of the Bible. Get rid of the divinity of Christ. It, it yes. starts with... It, you start with any one component of this thing, and one leads to the other. All right, let's take it one at a time. Get rid of Paul. All right? Then that brings doubt about the Bible. Then that brings doubt about who the Jews are. Then it, The next thing, uh, it brings um, doubt about was Jesus really the Savior? And the next zeitgeist move is to throw Jesus finally under the bus as a myth. Brother, I don't mean to start preaching here, but I mean that's you, you preach it. My blood flowing. Amen. <laughs> Amen, folks. This is a uh, conspiracy, or it's a conspiracy of Satan, okay, to get you and I so sidetracked that we're bewitched in the side of a ditch, wondering if the Bible is even true. And I've run across some people like that. Let me tell you what I know about Paul, Zeph. Paul studied under Gamaliel, and by the age of 20, he, could, he, could, he had memorized the whole Torah, the first five books of Moses, and could recite them for you. This was wow. a guy that had so much head knowledge that when he got the revelation of Jesus Christ and was called to preach, saw the error of his ways that he was persecuting you know, Jesus Christ, you know, when he had the vision of Damascus, the Lord even had to send a messenger of Satan to buffet him, just so he wouldn't have a big head and explode. This is one of the most learned men that ever lived. And if you throw out the, uh, you throw out Paul's writings, and you throw out most of the New Testament, but you know what? You'll see that happening out there. You know, people say the Old Testament isn't for today. Revelation's not for today because, you know, we're not going to be here. And uh, I, what I see happening is I see a great falling away, fermenting. And uh, America is not prepared for what's coming, and there is persecution coming for Jesus Christ, and many are going to be offended and fall away. Let me throw it back to you. Uh, well, okay. What did what did Paul say? Let's just, now that we're you know getting into uh, uh, you know the, the 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 greatness of this apostle, he said this in Romans eleven. He said, first of all, uh, the that God blinded the Jews so that the gift of the gospel could go to the Gentiles, meaning to the world, could spread to the whole world as a gift. Yes. But then God would un- unblind the Jews eventually at his timing and bring the whole thing together, okay? And yeah. he said that, 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 the, that the, uh, we are grafted in, you know, to the wild branches, but we are, Gentiles are not to boast against the natural branches or, or quote, they will be cut off. You see, There's a warning there to us, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, if, if you boast against... Here, let me explain what boast against the natural branches means. 
It means when you claim to be the Jew, when you claim to be uh, Israel, when you boast that that uh, it's it's uh, you're the hundred and forty four thousand. Am I stepping on a few toes here? Good. Okay. When you start in down that road, you are boasting against the natural branches, and God has cut you off. That's why you have no discernment. That's why you can't figure it out anymore. Then the next step is you're going to have to eventually throw the Bible out because, heck, if they put Paul in, how many other mistakes are there in there? You know what I'm saying? So They forget that Jesus was Jewish, and so were all the disciples. Right, and, right. Uh, but, but, I'll tell you something yeah, else. I'm going to reveal something on national radio that few know, Zeth. Five years ago, I was part of a covert project, okay, to rescue the original New Testament as it was penned in the original Hebrew. Wow. And I pledged a certain amount of money, which I paid, to go and rescue the original Hebrew manuscripts of the New Testament that has been scattered around the world, much of which was in Jerusalem in the Hebrew uh, Jerusalem University over there. And what I'm here to tell you, folks, is we've been lied to. We've been told that uh, we are Israel, that it's all about the Gentile, that the New Testament was penned in Greek. I'm going to tell you, we found the Hebrew manuscripts. Most of the New Testament was penned in Hebrew, as the research uh, will probably come out one day. It was translated into Greek, okay? And um, that's nothing but an anti-Semitic spirit, Zeph that is cropping up in people. And they're basically no different than Hitler in my book. They don't love the Jewish people. They don't love Jesus, to tell you the truth. Go ahead. Let me give it back to you. Well, it's it, this was the warning that uh, Paul said, do not boast against the natural branches. And, um, you know, this is it, what it is, is like, uh, to me, it's like some sort of a flu bug people catch. You know, it's it's definitely a spirit that they catch, and once that starts growing inside of them, it when it goes to full bloom, it it it, it really ends up, uh, you know, blame. You know, first of all, losing your faith is is a consequence of it. Uh, throwing Jesus under the bus, leaving the faith, yes. then attacking the Jews as the cause of all the problems of the world, and the head of the Illuminati being the Jews, being the uh, the apostate Jews who are really not Jews. And then they quote the the line of Revelation in the, Revelation two of so they they say they are Jews but are not Jews but the synagogue of Satan when Jesus didn't mean you know didn't mean it in that context that the Jews today there are not really the Jews and and all that's not what he meant but anyway we go round and round and round with all this and um, again it goes back to Romans eleven that's the that's really the uh, Rosetta Stone of understanding the relationship between the Jew and the Gentile. Israel and America and Bible prophecy is you just simply have to understand that uh, the whole point of uh, the Jews crucifying Jesus was so that uh, they had to be blinded and God Yahweh blinded them so that they would do that so that we would have the gospel. We couldn't have the gospel unless the Jews had been blinded at that time in history. It was a gift. Amen. Sure it was. Didn't even one of the uh, the high priest uh, realize that fact? He was prophesying that uh, there'll be one sacrifice for many. One sacrifice for many, and and the thing is, is uh, that um, you know, had Satan really understood at that time that going through with the sacrifice, going through with the uh, crucifixion, would have been the victory of uh, for humanity. 
the victory of Yahweh, the victory of Jesus Christ over the whole world to be to become exalted as King of Kings to to defeat Satan at the cross. Had he had had the enemy really known that, they would have never crucified him. Amen. And he I really believe that you can go back and trace it from the beginning of the word, and you find out God had a plan of redemption for all mankind. In fact, uh, I don't have the verse in front of me, but it was even talked about in the Old Testament that through Abraham many nations would come in. Yeah, and and, and, and the word Gentile also meant nations. It could be used in both contexts from the Greek. But, uh, you know, the point is, is that the gospel would not have gone to the whole world except through the unbelief of the Jews. And through the unbelief of the church, the gospel spread out to the to the people who weren't part of the church. Unbelief is what spreads the gospel. Oddly, strangely, ironically enough, this is what actually makes the gospel go around the world. It's unbelief. Persecution. Yes. Because persecution comes from unbelief. Okay, so persecution causes the, the, the church to be strengthened all the more. Amen. And uh, it's also going to um, sift the saints. You know, the, the wheat and the tares have been growing up side by side. And I believe that uh, through persecution, you know, you're going to find out who, who is for Christ and who isn't. Who is only for him when they could uh, get something out of it, when it was popular to be you know, part of a church group? But, you know, um, I think that uh, what we're going to see is basically you know, a rift form. I believe it's starting now. And you're going to have the, the true remnant that are willing to pick up their cross and, and go to the cross. And if it means losing their head for Jesus, they'll do it. Then you've got the people that um, are actually chasing another Jesus. I believe it's the same one that Constantine... Um, was worshiping back then. I believe it's Mithras or Saul Invictus. If you go back in time, you remember that Constantine united yeah, all the known world. It, he changed a lot of the times and the seasons. And why? Because he hated the Jews. And he wanted to, to merge the pagans with the, the Christians with the Jews. So he started to change the days. You know, he changed the known Sabbath to, you know, he changed it to Sunday and worship of Mithras. And Which I call know, Sunday, S-O-N day. <laughs> what is? And, you know, you see these pictures of Jesus with the halo? Okay, mm -hmm. you know, uh, folks, that's not what Jesus Christ looked like. <laughs> no, but, you know, there are some pretty good uh, Jewish kind of interpretations out there, art-wise. At least there's more than there were a few years ago. There um, is. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, just showing Jesus, you know, as what he, you know, in, in more of a, a true context than uh, than a Northern European sort of thing, you know, but putting him into a Jewish context. Well, and absolutely, that's that what he was. He was he was Jewish. He was Hebrew. And uh, right. But there is a historical figure that you can go back and if you do your history, folks, you'll see. He had the halo. It's called Mithras Saul Invictus. Okay, his birthday was December twenty fifth. All right, and then we've wow. got all these uh, pagan traditions that came in through uh, Catholicism back. Um, through Babylonian sun god worship. And this program isn't about, um, you know, tracing our, our roots back, but it's just, you know, it's just a fact. We're so off track, Zeph, that um, people need to wake up. They need to repent. They need to get back to the Word of God, and they need to start loving one another. I want, let's talk about forgiveness for a moment. Um, can we make it to heaven without forgiving? Yeah, well, someone wiser than me once... Uh, told me that you can't go to heaven if you hate anyone. Well, Jesus says, if you don't forgive, neither will my Father in heaven forgive you. Isn't that what it and says? You can't. 
Yeah, you can't. In other words, you just can't hate anyone. You have to let let it all go. You have to forgive all. You, you've got to realize that we humans are in a fallen state. We're all, you know, we all uh, come with baggage. We are a mixed mixed bag, you know. We have good traits and bad traits. We step on each other's toes. We kill each other, you know. We hurt each other. And you just have to get into such a spiritual state, and it's possible to where, I mean, I think people that are really advanced in the spirit, like in Christ, are people that they forgive before anything even happens. Something happens, it's, it's, they don't become offended. They just are, they've already forgiven it. They, they realize that on this walk, things are going to happen. Persecution's going to happen. If we hold a grudge over every single person that rejects us, disses us, persecutes us, and then that includes brethren that Satan gets a hold of someone that's close to you, and then they go all over and, you know, and they, you know, you get into a falling out, and then and then you know someone repents. You got to forgive that person, and you know, seventy times seven, the Lord said, every time because we're weak, we can get taken over at times. We can think the other guy's out to get us and attack him, and then you know, um, we just have to keep constantly, constantly forgiving and turning it all over to the Lord, and 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 to be free of it. Because see, every unforgiveness is another shackle on us. It's another form of bondage on us. So every time we hold hatred, it's just another chain. Until finally we can't even move. We're just we're just stuck. And you know, that doesn't even take into consideration the uh spiritual aspect of demonization, folks. Zeph is right. When we have bitterness and unforgiveness and we don't deal with it and repent and forgive, that opens the door for demons to come in. And many times, bitterness and unforgiveness will bring in a physical infirmity like cancer and arthritis that only go once you forgive and release the person. Then you can command that demon to go, and they take that uh, uh, demonic infirmity they brought along. Let's talk about that, Zeph. Um, you have a thing called the um, lizard alert. What is the lizard alert? <laughs> the lizard, the lizard index. It's just lizard <laughs> index. <laughs> it's just basically like a subjective kind of a take on things uh, on a daily basis that I've been doing. And it just started off as being kind of a fun thing. Um, and uh, I try to go into the spirit and pray and just, I get an impression and then I just write it down. I, and it goes from the lizard indexes from one to 10. Like if it's 10 out of 10, sometimes it hits an 11. Okay. And uh, <laughs> that just means the oppression's really high, you know, from at least from my point of view. And and but uh, un, uncannily, a lot of times when, when when I think it's subjective, a lot of people write to me and they go, "I was experiencing the same thing you wrote about there." So it's it's a quick, it's almost like it's not a horoscope, but it's kind of like a daily thing where uh, I just get my subjective opinion. You know, it's like today it's five out of ten, and um, you know, then there's some words that go with it. Sometimes there's a quote of scripture. You know, it's a it's a snapshot of the oppression level, and if the oppression level is high, it's a call for our folks to get ready, to be prayed up. You know, that the oppression is high. Okay, so what do we do? We have to be prayed up. We've got to be ready for it. We've got to turn it over to Jesus. A lot of times, when it starts off in a day, we have, have a lot of oppression, like, you know, we had here in New Mexico with these temperatures. A lot of people, they couldn't get any heat in their homes, and they were freezing to death here. Okay, the oppression was really high. The government was lying to people. You know, there was just a feeling of, like, helplessness going on. And uh, on times like that, um, you know, that's the time to really get uh, prayed up. But the lizard index, it's, it's uh, not to be 
taken as an absolute. It's just you check the spirits. You, you're responsible for your own take on things. If it's accurate, well, great. You know, then if if it isn't accurate for you, then great. It's it's not like I'm trying to do a, a horoscope, but it's it's kind of like an alternative to 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 that kind of thing. And <laughs> well, and you it's, know, it's and it's caught on. It's weird. There's a lot of people that will write me and quote me the lizard index and say that lizard index the other day that was exactly what I what I was thinking. You know, so well, you know, you can feel it. Um, you can feel the spiritual oppression. Um, people yeah. think, well, if I don't see it with my physical eyes, then it must not exist. It's not real. But, you know, they don't understand what the meaning of what the word says. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers in high places, I believe, as the scripture goes. We are an actual battle for our very souls, and spiritual warfare is going on around us every day. And whether... You admit to it or not, folks, you know, ignorance is not bliss in this time because there is a real enemy that wants to destroy you, wants to take you to hell, wants to um, take you out of the fight and your family, and it's uh, it's Satan and his host of hells. Um, I'm going to interview you one day about your full testimony, Zeph, but uh, tell us some of your perceptions about the reality of spiritual warfare. Are we fighting an unseen force out there? It, yeah, and you have to be you. You've got to be sensitive to it. In other words, you know that that, that you've got to be able to develop spiritual eyes, which the Lord gives you spiritual eyes to, to see. Even though at best we see through a glass darkly, we can kind of see what's coming after us. And uh, uh, anyone that's a believer, anyone that puts up a, a, a you know puts down a testimony, puts puts up uh, you know sets a standard for themselves that I am a believer in Jesus Christ, and makes a public testimony and is baptized is automatically going to have a target, you know. So you can just expect that there'll be, you know, attacks. And these attacks come from an invisible world. And, um, you know, people, witches, uh, just individuals out there who are on Satan's side can throw stuff at you. In other words, demons can be thrown at you. Spells can be thrown at you, you know. Uh, demons can, can, you know, that would otherwise be inert can be summoned you know, spirits can be summoned to go after you, to hurt you, to kill you, to um, confuse you, to uh, make you infirm, like you talked about uh, infirmities. Uh, you might have a spirit of unforgiveness and hatred that opens the door for, uh, this, the, for uh, the, the, uh, the demons to come in with infirmities that can, like you say, cancer and things like that can, can come in. And once you've forgiven those people that you held a grudge against, it's amazing how many times there's a remission. And so we, to me, the spiritual uh, realm is more real, you know, just like the Holy Spirit's more real than, than you know, a person. The spiritual oppression, the battle that we, we face is more real than the physical earth we live on. But we have to develop these eyes to see and ears to hear to be able to comprehend what's happening to us. Because a lot of times we'll be thinking thoughts that are not our own. If we're not aware of this, we Absolutely. might have done something like you could get really drunk and really, you know, or stoned or whatever. And then the, the next day you could wake up thinking, oh, everything's fine. And your thoughts are suddenly not your own. You, you know, you're having all kinds of problems with uh, perversion, lust, let's say, or or hatred and anger toward other people. You know, something comes up. And if you trace it back, you'll find there was a behavior that you did, a thing you did that you were warned not to do, that you did, that you didn't repent for. 
And that unrepentant sin that you did opened a door. You weren't aware that the next week, let's say, you were off the track, off the mark, and on a tangent, and going down a road that you that you don't want to go down, that isn't even your road, That and the thoughts you're thinking are not your own thoughts. You've been beguiled, you've been bewitched, you've been taken over. But if you trace it back, it always goes back to something we did that allowed it, that opened it up. It's, it's our really our free will was corrupted in some way, probably by an act that we did that was sinful. I mean, we're going to do sinful things, but we need to be always repenting to the Lord to keep those doors shut. So Amen. That we, you know, as, as a protection. And then you're you're uh, really great at uh, deliverance uh, prayers and ministry, and. Um, but all the prayer and ministry you do, as good as you do it, you know, and as, as efficacious as your prayers are and, and as tuned in as they are, you can't help somebody that's going to go back and repeat the same pattern, you know, and be unrepentant about it. You, you know, a lot of times the deliverance uh, folks are brought in, you know, almost when it's too late, you know, when it's when it's really bad. But There's going to be a heart change, doesn't there? Yeah, you know, once you get delivered from it, once the prayer's been said, you, you, you've got to, next time, you can't do that same pattern because it, you're going to get in this, you know, it doesn't matter if you bring 100 deliverance ministers in. Amen. It, if you keep doing the same thing, uh, it's not going to work. Amen to that. Uh, we open up the door, and Satan's on the outside waiting to come on in, and he'll come on in when we open up, uh, you know, doorways through... Um, you know different different sin gateways, and we've got to we're all going to fall sometimes. We've got to be quick to repent. We've got to be sincere about a, a change. We can't um, repent and then go back and do the same thing tomorrow. Or God may hey He may allow us to get seven times more reinfected the next time. Uh, I'll tell you a true story about the reality of uh, spiritual work. Um, and just a sound check. Can you still hear me on this connection, Zell? I, I hear you loud okay. and clear. I have an uncle who's demonized. Um, I have two grandfathers. One of them's dead. The other one's still alive. They were both ministers. I was raised in the church, and I have an uncle, uh, you know, who's a pastor's son. And he knew the right way to live, but he got off into um, a lot of sin and has never really repented. And he's tormented day and night. And I, I know what it is. He's demonized. He needs to repent, needs some deliverance. But he doesn't want to get help right now. And the problem is, is, He'll call you and he'll call you and call you, and you might get a call six or seven times a day. And this particular day, he was calling my mother, who's his oldest sister. My mother is trying to live for the Lord, do right. She's driving down the road in her vehicle on the interstate, and my uncle calls, and a thing called transference of spirits happens. A demonized man calls, and the demon is talking through him, and all of a sudden, that demonic spirits are shot through the telephone waves that hit my mother. And the next thing you know, she's in a rage. Okay? And she's she was fine until my uncle called. Then I she gets a call from my aunt, who's also battling with some demonic spirits. Sad to say, but it's usually the case in pastor's kids. <laughs> or deliverance minister's kids. Um, yeah. Next thing you know, my mother gets bombarded by a second wave of these demonic spirits that came right to the telephone. Before she knows that she's been taken over, and this demonic spirit manifest in her, she does a sharp veer to the left of the steering wheel and tries to go off into the ditch. If it hadn't been for someone driving with her to take control of that uh, steering wheel, they would have crashed. And it was like she lost her mind for a moment. And after the fact, she says, what the heck happened to me? 
I'm sitting here, and then someone calls me who's demonized and just attacks me. How many times, Jeff, are we having a great day, and then we get a phone call, and uh-huh. uh, a supposed Christian says, uh, you know, says, starts getting into gossip and slander. Next thing you know, they planted a negative seed, and it, it, it affects us. You know, they're engaged in some runaway conversation, gossip, and that vibe, yeah. if you want to call it, you know, the, the demonic spirit transfers over. Now we're under attack. And, yeah, well, uh, there's, a lot of things can trigger that. And um, I saw a movie last night that it triggered a horrible feeling of uh, worthlessness and uh, self-loathing in me. And it was there. The movie was a, a comedy. <laughs> And Brother, it's a gateway. Something, yeah. Something in it just triggered me. It was, uh, I guess it was the fact that, you know, there was uh, people out there without Jesus. I mean, it, it's this simple. Uh, you know, it's like kind of like a family movie sort of thing, you know, as a comedy, a romantic comedy, and you'd think those are very benign. But here was a family, <laughs> it, there, was, there was some paganism going on in it. Yes. And there was this family family who was all together. They were very rich, and they owned a lot of stuff. And they were more, you know, doing sort of Indian pagan sort of dances. And I don't know. It, look, it 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 should have brought uh, laughter. It should have brought a uh, feeling of um, you know, let's be nicer to our families. You know, it has some decent morals in it. But all I could think about while watching it was. All I could think about is, you know, behind, underneath the surface. In other words, there are no families like that. I never had a family like that. Everything, you know, is broken around me, you know. How come they're, you know, they're up there having this nice family togetherness and dancing around like Indians? And, you know, I just, it just made me feel one step after the other left out of the world, which I am, which I made a choice to be. But... You see, because it had the spirit of the world on it, and that was it. It didn't. It, didn't, it wasn't a horror movie. It wasn't a sex movie. You know what I mean? It wasn't anything sure. that was overtly. It was just a Hollywood comedy, just a comedy. I forget the name of it now, but it had Sandra Bullock in it, and you know, it was movies it was, are were powerful. There's no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and and by the end, while everyone should have been celebrating, I was crying. I totally just crying my eyes. I was. I was depressed. I was sad. I felt like such a loser. I should just go kill myself. It actually brought me into a suicidal state. Wow. Until I, it, it, completely, a romantic comedy of all things, because there were things in it that weren't kosher, if you know what I mean. Oh, Even I though, uh, yeah. oh, look, I'll bet you anything, 10 out of 10 Christian groups would have given that movie an approval for a Christian audience to go see. But they don't see what I see, I guess. Now, conversely, yes. strangely, I can watch a horror movie and um, nothing happens to my face and I go on and nothing happens to me. I watch it and, you know, I move on. Nothing happens. Where people tell me, oh, you can't watch that, demons will get you. No, no. Demons got me watching a romantic comedy. See, so the enemy is very skilled at taking something you would think would be benign. Brother, I had a demon jumping at me one time watching Biodome. <laughs> Biodome. Well, I worked with the composer of Biodome on a, on a film I made, and um, from the standpoint, know, he, uh, <laughs> it had some. He turned out to, to he turned out to be you know uh, 
to screw my movie up too. So, oh, you know, so, so yeah, I had a bad impression of Biodome because that that was his first big break. It, the, the, yeah, the enemy. Look, you're talking about oppression. Okay, it yes. can happen in any form. You just brought up Biodome, and I had a bad experience with the composer of Biodome on my own thing. You know, when when I blamed him for the failure of my film or whatever. But look, um, the, the it, it's vast. The, how, anything can trigger you. I can be just going down the street. Everything, everything's fine. I can look into a storefront, see something. It triggers me. Suddenly, I'm bummed out for the day. Absolutely. Now, you know, is that my fault? Okay. I mean, <laughs> you go into the grocery store and they have that uh, canned music, and all of a sudden it was a it was a song. And I'm left depressed. And I'm thinking, you know, I didn't answer that. I was doing great until that song played. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was in a, in a in a Safeway market, and uh, this song by the Little River Band came up, Have You Seen the Lonesome Loser? Oh, boy. Do you remember that song? Have no. you heard about the Lonesome Lover beat, Loser beaten by the Queen of Hearts? Here's the lyrics. Oh, yeah, right, right. Okay, yes, yes. Remember that one? Have you heard about the Lonesome beaten by the Queen of Hearts every time? He's a loser, but he keeps on trying. Well, um, then the, the song is, is basically telling you to sell your soul to Satan, and then you can be a winner. Don't you want to be somebody, the song says. Wow. Don't you want to be someone? Don't you, you know, look at the cost you've paid by, by going your own way. And, of course, they're, the loser, they're not talking really to a person in Christ. They're talking to a person who has, who's like in the middle, who hasn't gone with Jesus or the world yet. You know what I mean? Yes. There's just... They they don't realize there's a choice, you know. They're they're they're, 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 they're so they the lyric goes. Have you heard about the lonesome loser beaten by the Queen of Hearts every time? He's a loser, but he keeps on trying. Okay, I know a lot of people like that. Okay, they just don't know why they're unlucky. Okay, well I know why they're unlucky because until they make a choice for Satan, until they get initiated into the satanic thing by somebody, which they call salvation, by the way. Uh, then they can be a winner. And the, the song goes, you know, take a look at your life. Don't you want to be somebody? So the song, the Little River Band, is giving that lonesome loser a choice. Don't you want to be? In other words, indicating that this lonesome loser has a choice not to be a loser. Don't you want to be somebody? Do you want to keep yes. going down this path? Or do you want to really be some? You know the lyric. You know what it means. Okay. So that bummed me out totally. And I still remember. How many years ago was I in that market? This must have been going back, I don't know how many years, you know, maybe 15 years. And Absolutely. I still remember being bummed out that day. And Very powerful uh, really, gateways. Yeah, it ruined my whole day because I just thought, you're right, I'm just a loser. Why didn't I just go the other way? Why didn't I just go with... You know, I could have made one little move, one little choice, and guess what would have happened? The wind would have been in my back. Uh, things would have gone my way. Stuff could have fallen into place. You know, why did I even try to do anything in the world without the backing of Satan? Why didn't I? Why did I keep every single thing that I attempted became a tragedy? People were laughing at me because of that. Why didn't I just go the way they went? That's the way Satan works. He will. Um... He'll come in through your eye gate, through your ear gate, uh, come in through soul ties, through fornication. We can even get demonic spirits through generational curses. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, there's so many. I definitely have for sure of those. <laughs> there's so many ways yeah. for us to be uh, infiltrated. We've got to be on guard to the wiles of the devil and realize, hey, you know, 
we are living in a in a filthy world. You know, it's like a dog. You're going to give him a shower and a shampoo. He's going to go out and get some more fleas, bring them back in the house. So, yeah, we, well, we just have constant, to constant battle, you know, but we we can be victorious. So we've just got to keep our full armor on in Ephesians six. And uh, the Lord has to break us. You know, I mean, for, I'll just speak for myself. The Lord has to break any hope of the world out of me. He's got to break me down until there is no more hope or confidence in the world or looking back like Lot's wife as to what I missed, what I could have had. That's got to be broken out of me completely and beaten out of me until there is just no more world left. And that's the only way that I'm going to be fit for the Lord. You see, your eyes were opened up, Zeph. I mean, I was watching uh, some of the clips of, what did they just have? Was it the Oscars or... One of those award ceremonies? Yeah, the Golden Globes. Okay, the Golden Globe. And you're seeing these, uh, the stars being interviewed after the fact. And, you know, they're a, they seem to be just oblivious to the fact that the world's going down the tube and time is short. And I, read a story of, I, I read a horrifying story of a very talented young actress, a very beautiful actress, and, and, but one that really had the uh, amazing talent named Brittany Murphy. Some of you may... Recall oh, yeah. her out there. Yes. Brittany Murphy was, was at one point, she, she got up to like $10 million for a film. And then all of a sudden, in around 2004, when dry, the well ran dry, no offers, no nothing. And she started turning into drugs and got involved with this guy that, um, you know, she thought would revive her career, that she thought was so talented. And he, too, was, you know, a misfit. Well, and I, I understood immediately, this, this Brittany Murphy... Um, really didn't belong to Hollywood, if you know what I mean. You know, I really, she really needed to be reached by the Lord. She really did. She, but it didn't happen, you know. And anyway, she died of um, uh, of drug complications. I don't know if it was a drug overdose, but she was sick, you know. And and the story of Brittany Murphy is a story how Hollywood turned against her, started rumors about her, uh, discredited her, fired her took away any form of, you know, means of income. Her life was going to hell. Now, she lived in a house that she bought from uh, Britney Spears that Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake lived in that she felt was haunted at the time. That, or really? She called it bad luck. It's a tri-level house in the Hollywood Hills worth about $3.5 million. And she thought it was, you know, really... But they felt there were demonic spirits there. Both, both she and I forget her... Um, significant other's name, forget his name now. His last name was Monjack. And uh, they were going to make a new start. They wanted to get out of there. They felt that the house itself and the spirits in the house, the unluckiness of the house, they didn't know the Lord. They didn't have all the discernment, you know, to understand what was happening to them. But they felt that if they didn't get out of there, they were going to die. Well, oddly enough, Brittany Murphy, you know, she wanted to sell it, and they wanted to make a new start, her and her mother, and this guy, they wanted to make a new start in New York, and he would do independent films and revive her career and show them, you know, they treated, they trashed her, okay? Hollywood trashed her. She didn't even want to stay in the house anymore. She wanted to go stay in the Beverly Hills Hotel because she felt the house was, do, was making her sick. Yes. And now you know, you know there's truth in that. Absolutely. But, but, you know, but then she didn't have the strength. She didn't have someone like you around or me around, somebody to tell her, yes. Your instincts here are right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Let's. We got to get you out of there. We got to do deliverance on this house and on you and on everything else. No, 
she didn't have that answer. There was no one around to tell her the truth about all this. Anyway, what happened is she died, and then within five months, her her, her um, love interest, I, I don't know if they were married or not. Maybe they yeah, were they married. Had, uh, he, they had been married. Uh, Simon Monjack, he dies too, doesn't he? Simon Monjack died five months later of similar overdose, similar problem. Exactly Man. the same. They were, they were both taken out. Now, when Randy Quaid came forth and talked about this conspiracy, read my mind. You know, I was going to ask you about him, the Star Killer. <laughs> the Star Whackers. He sounded correct. But no, he gave a very, very cogent explanation. Now, very important that that's on YouTube. And and look, he was telling the truth. Well, he didn't include Brittany Murphy and Simon Monjack, but in my mind, they were victims of this same sort of demonic thing. Now, you also have to, to think. Who was involved there? There were lawyers involved. There were all kinds of people involved that were throwing curses, spells, uh, bad juju, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, on them. Or I feel now, I see it right now, clearly in the spirit, that somebody had an effigy of them and was 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 torturing that effigy. Yes, uh, that, that's what they were suffering from, you know. And they were they were taken out. Okay, they were taken out because Hollywood is just. Covens, you know, it's wall to wall, and they were outcasts from it, and they were targeted by it. Anyway, you can add them to the list of Randy Quaid's uh, victims. Now, right? what's the and, update with the Quaids? Uh, they were in Canada last time I heard. Yeah, Did all they that still, stuff get dropped, or where are they at right now? Well, you know, they've got uh, what's his name? You know, the 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 the, the uh, attention seeking uh, bounty hunter guy. What's his the famous guy? What is oh, that guy's oh, name? The bounty hunter. Dog, yeah, dogs oh, after him. Man. Oh, you're kidding me. So it, it, this thing is not getting better. Now, yeah. you, you or I could go to like a Randy Quaid, and we could say, Randy, look, you got to give your life to the Lord, you know? Um, yeah. and, and your wife, both of you, have got to just give your lives to the Lord right now. This whole thing that you're describing is a conspiracy, but it begins... It, you know, it's gang stalking. It's you know, you can get information. It could be psychotronic, but actually, the root of gang stalking and all this stuff comes from the spirit. What would give yes. these people even the idea to gang stalk somebody in a hive mind kind of manner, all together coordinated? It's, they don't meet in a, in a little room like in that movie. Uh, another movie that tried to tell the truth about all this stuff was David Fincher's uh, The Game, starring uh, oh, Michael yeah. Douglas, right. Sean Penn. Well. They tried right. to make a physical explanation of a spiritual reality. What Randy Quaid's talking about can be seen in the movie The Game. But the difference is they don't all meet in a certain room somewhere. They're all keyed in to come at you. And, you that know, was a movie that played with my mind. I, I remember looking at my brother who went to see that with me, and we looked at each other, and I said, man, that was a mind trip right there. I, there well, they was gave away a, a few keys. That was uh, that was a trippy movie. Uh, that and also the one um, with um, Tom Cruise. Not talking about Eyes Wide Shut, although that was interesting. Uh, the other one where he has the um, the accident and it mangles his face. Yeah, yeah he wears I, mask. I, I, Right. Okay. There's been a couple movies that have uh, impacted me pretty negatively when I came out of the movie. I mean, it, I was in a different frame of mind. There's some definite transference going on. Movies are very powerful gateway for the enemy to attack. Um, well, yeah, but you see, and some of these filmmakers are trying to tell the truth through symbolism, like David Lynch and Mulholland Drive. He's trying to There's describe. a lot of truth, too. Yeah. 
That's the true. About Stanley Kubrick and uh, Eyes Wide Shut. He's describing a very real reality. Yeah. I mean, if you want to know about uh, star, you know, elite covens, you just need to go see Eyes Wide Shut, and you'll see an elite coven going at it. You know, you were raised in. There. You were raised in Hollywood. Um, is it just like that? Witchcraft is all over Hollywood, isn't it? It, it? Yeah, it is the order of the day. It is. If we the could norm. know the truth, would it be a true statement to say that many of the celebrities that people see are actually involved in those covens? Well, they'd have to be. And see, this is where they get so mad at me. This is where I get targeted myself. When I say things like that, the next thing you know, um, they're sending people after me. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do a prayer for you before we end the program. But, um, no, I mean, it, it's got to be embedded in Hollywood. There's got to be a lot of evil stuff going on in the well, underbelly. The Ronnie, the Ronnie Chase and murder, to me, is just coven wars, you know. It was just the, And then, but... See, warring covens will then cover it up in the media. They will, even enemy covens, covens that are enemies of each other, they will then work together to cover up something like the Sharon Tate thing or the, you know, that all gets covered up in the end so no one knows anything. I was going to ask you about that, um, Sharon Tate. Now, how old are you, Zeph, just for information purposes? 56. Okay. So do you do you remember what was going on? Do you remember the media at the time with the Sharon Tate murders I, and Roman Polanski? I, I I lived there at, at that time, and it, yes, I remember that uh, nineteen uh, was it seventy one or whatever. Yeah, but I anyway, I was there. If you look at 69. Roman's movies, like uh, what was the one called, The Ninth Gate with Johnny Depp? Yeah, and, and then, uh, but, but Rosemary's Baby, you know, Rosemary's you Baby, absolutely. Yeah. He he had to have definitely been a Satanist um, into some hardcore witchcraft. Would you agree? But they're all that's they're all like that. It's everybody. Wow. Everyone's in. Everyone. That's why they uh, they've also uh, they kicked Mel Gibson out of Hollywood. He was one that wouldn't conform, you know. And uh, yes. he's nobody. Nobody will work with him anymore. He's blackballed forever. Is that an initiative? People have to be initiated and. Uh, join these covens to actually make it up the ranks of Hollywood stardom? Yeah, they just have to be able to submit to the old casting couch and, all, and you know, I mean, w when you say initiated, it means um, that you're a, uh, first of all, to be someone of note, you have to start when you're a child and, you know, you have to be, uh, you know, pretty, handsome, whatever, and uh, you have to be willing to give uh, sexual favors and then, you know, when they lay on you the satanic stuff and the coven stuff and all that, you got to be saying yes, 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 great, wonderful, you know. Wow. Before you I mean, know it, there's some people that are more overt, like Shirley MacLaine's of the world and so forth. But uh, pretty much, uh, if you're into the Hollywood elite uh, and you make it in there, they're probably having parties like every weekend, aren't they? Well, there's an ongoing uh, party, and it's uh, always involving, uh, you know, it's the same thing as the Golden Calf. They're reveling, they're having orgies, they're, you know, people are getting dead. Uh, a lot of the sacrifices that you see are, like, um, are done in, you know, kind of public. You know, there are assassinations, a plane goes down, you know, then they revel in that. You know what I mean? It, some of these sacrifices are not done like you know, in a Hollywood movie with an altar and a pentagram and a knife and, you know, and candles and it's being done in a church and then they all revel and have an orgy over it, although that does happen. Um, 
another another film that uh, shows it exactly is uh, is The Last Exorcism, which is out now on DVD. Oh, man. You know? Wow. You uh, they've see... got two of them. They've got that and then a new one called The Right. I haven't seen them. Have you seen it? I saw The Last Exorcism, and I can tell you, in the, I'm not going to ruin the end, but the end is, is right on. You know, it's a, wow. Unfortunately, look, the, the world tells you about it. The world doesn't hide it. Back in the day of Nathaniel Hawthorne, in the time of the Salem Witch Trials, he wrote the story Young Goodman Brown. It tells the whole thing, that all the people in the town were Satanists, even though they were the pastor and the baker and the... You know what I mean? And young Goodman Brown, he tried to warn everyone that he saw people out in the woods, you know, they like to go out in the woods to do their thing, people out in the woods, uh, you know, worshiping the devil. He tried to tell people this, and he warned them all, only to later find out that they, too, were all out in the woods worshiping the devil. So what happened to young Goodman Brown? He got kicked out of town. He got kicked out. What's the moral of the story? You better go along with it, or that's going to happen to you. Folks, all the way back. All... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, this was all the way back in the 1700s. And why do we have to read this in Lit Class 101 in college? Why? Because the teacher wants you, the student, who has not yet been initiated, to know that this is the price of admission to, you know, being successful in the world. You can't be like young Goodman Brown, you know, barking and everything like that. You've got to go along. You've got well, to go along. I look at uh, Benjamin Franklin, you know. Everybody would think he would be a, a Christian American patriot. And here he was, a member of the Hellfire Club, and they would go down into the basement of a church that had a cave system underneath it, or it was, it was made to look like that, and they would have sexual orgies there with local prostitutes dressed up as Catholic nuns. Well, oh, they had heterosexual sex. Well, that's interesting. That's a, that, would be a, that would be very conservative. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, not to mention the bodies they found up on, under his house when they were doing restoration Apparently, they were into human sacrifice, too. Um, right, right, right. Well, well, where there's one, there's the other. Now, do you think that um, uh, the reason that uh, you know law enforcement that's involved, all these people, it's always covered up and everything has got a nice, neat bow on it, and then they bring out Bob Hope and everything's fine. You know, that's Hollywood, right? They bring out, you know, George Clooney and everything is fine. They bring out Jay Leno. Everything's fine, you know? And I've mentioned Bob Hope because he was an icon of charity. Yes. And then you read, you read Bryce Taylor's book, and the next thing you know, uh, she's spilling the beans on Bob Hope. And, you know, you'd think there'd be a huge flurry of activity after that book came out, um, thanks for the memories. No, nothing. Nothing. No reaction. Nothing happened when she published that book. Nothing. Zero. Wow. I didn't nothing. catch that book. Was he involved in the occult also? Well... You know, she claimed that, you know, he was a, a pornographer and that uh, she was starred in his porno movies and they would pass. He was making porno. Good grief. Wow. It uh, sounds using like uh, Bob Crane and um, Hogan's Heroes. And having, sex, and having you know, sex with children. All these accusations. She had Sylvester Stallone. She had the L.A. Dodgers. She had uh, the USC Dental School, which I heard about that. I mean, a lot of things in Los Angeles, Okay. She uncovered everything. She told all the truth. And what happened? In detail, greater detail than uh, anybody has ever given, uh, nothing happened. The book was published. She actually pulled the book from the market because nothing happened. And she went silent again. 
If you ever mention a Not book, uh, and I don't have it, I have to go on a, a hunt oh, for it. Was, was, what was the name of this book? i got to get it. It's called Thanks for the Memories, and it, it'll cost you over $100 if you can find it. Wow. What was her name? Well, the, uh, as an author, Bryce Taylor, her Bryce real Taylor. name is Sue, Sue Ford. Wow. And uh, she wrote under the name of Bryce Taylor called Thanks for the Memories, and where she basically outs the entire system of Hollywood. Thanks for the memories, right. Thanks for the memories. It's um, yeah. it, it's a sick system. Even the word Hollywood, as someone told me, uh, uh, talks about the magician's wand, you know, made out of Holly's, Hollywood. Um, yeah. It's well, definitely and, and, a satanic system yeah. over there, an operation still today. Well, I got a word on that, and um, that, uh, and, you know, just take everything I say to the board, okay? But here the word is, that uh, basically Hollywood is Satan's headquarters, and um, because the media run is really um, has tentacles all over the world, and everything kind of emanates from there. Hollywood is really also a euphemism or a metaphor for the media, for for movies, for music, for culture. Okay, it's gone everywhere. It's 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 in, invaded everything, and that uh, it's also, you know, was shown to me that uh, this is the little horn of Daniel. You know what, Hollywood. if there's ever a place that's got to be a uh, headquarters, it's got to be Hollywood. You know there's got to be some major principalities and powers operating over that city. Satan. It's Satan's headquarters. Wow. That's his, he lives, he is there, and he's not in Washington. He's not in Paris. He's not in Israel. He's in Hollywood. Let me ask you a question. Um, you go down there periodically to L.A., can you feel it when you go down there? Almost like you could I can't, I can't, slice it with so a knife. <laughs> I can't even function when I got The only thing I could get out was a few YouTubes while I was there. I couldn't seem to uh, do anything. It's, it's, it, it, it's just, you know, I don't know what's wrong. I guess things are really to the – I almost feel like I go there, the Lord tells me, you'll walk around. You know, that's all I want you to do is walk about. Just walk about. Now, go here, go there. And why does he say that? Because he wants to see, you know, he uses me to, to walk around. I guess he's looking through my eyes at it, you know. But Well, you know, Henry Gruber, uh, he goes around the world and actually does prayer walking, and he'll go into these areas with major strongholds and walk around and pray. Well, I've also seen in, in visions and stuff that underneath there's all this, this real lizards and some real, uh, you know, awful you know, beings and things underneath the uh, city. There's, There's a um, satanic uh, stronghold there. There's no doubt about that. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's the headquarters. Um, you know, there's an interesting statistic statistic that says, uh, the, I guess the greatest, excuse me, the fastest growing religions right now are witchcraft and Islam. And, yeah. uh, you know, um, <laughs> you're running into it everywhere. Um why? Because the churches have a message, but they don't have the power anymore. Because they, uh, you know, they don't move in power, signs and wonders. And then you've got this younger generation looking for power, and they get deceived, and they go down um, the road of the occult and witchcraft, and many of them never come back out of it. Well, you know, they go out to Hollywood wanting to be stars, wanting to become rock stars, wanting to become movie stars, wanting to, you know, and then they get sold into slavery. Boom done you know deal done you know another one bites the dust and that it's just 
it's unbelievable, but it's very powerful. And um, I guess if you're me, you 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 know you go there. It's it's really like an exercise in torture going there in a way. But I could be walking down a very pleasant street, just very nice with lots of bougainvilleas and you know all kinds of uh, flowers and you know and um, you know it's beautiful there in the wintertime. Everything's blooming and the lawns are all green and it's all beautiful. I could be walking down a street like that and just feel so much oppression. I almost, you know, can't, you know, I just almost can't even walk. I can't do anything. I just get incapacity. You know, I just can barely survive it. And no one's doing anything to me. I'm not on some torture rack. Nothing's happening. There's no reason for, you know, you could say that I'm just mentally ill, I guess. You could just say you're, well, you're, you're being triggered and this is uh, psychological trauma. And you no, you're under you can feel the oppression there. You're under a demonic attack. Uh, I know a deliverance minister, Zeff, that every time he sets foot in Massachusetts, he comes under attack by the uh, the chief high priestess over there, a lady named Lori Cabot, which is the high priestess yeah. of Salem. And her demons know that this man of God is in the city, and they go to attack him. And, yeah, um, well, exactly like somebody else could be <clears throat> right next to me, and they'd be having a great time, you know, that... Right? I mean, there could be, I could be in a group of people, they're all having a great time, and I'm the one bummed out, you know? And if I guess if I don't want to be bummed out, I would have to uh, convert to, which, you know, I, I get, I've had a lot of opportunities to uh, be on Satan's side, but I guess I just didn't understand. I, to me, it was never an option. You know what I mean? It was like, first of all, I couldn't believe it existed. When it was like they want you to. Me. They want you to sell your soul. Uh, let me make just a quick uh, yes. announcement. If you're just tuning in, this is Omega Man Radio. It's my uh, special guest today, Zeff Daniel. Zeff, give out your contact information for those just tuning Zeph in. Dan- just go to zeffdaniel.com and everything is, you know, everything uh, kind of can you can get to everything from there. Brother, we Music. need to do like a hundred a hundred shows, but I don't want to uh, wear you out today. Now, I typically go two or three hours. How are you looking for time? <laughs> No, I I think we're on a roll that right now. Well, praise about, God then. If you need to, uh, I, I have to, yeah. I, well, look, I've struggled my whole life to understand all this. The and, and you know, last time I was on, I talked about uh, you know having been you know put into a coma and you know different things happened to me that took me years before I could even uh, talk about them. You know what I mean? Because they were so horrifying to me, I, I didn't want to remember them. And uh, it's, you know, I can tell you where the real gang stalking and all that comes from. I mean, a lot of people think it's just people with surveillance now and satellites. And no, no, it's all coming from them. That Satan's people are doing it all. And, um, you know, but anyway, so you tell somebody, okay, it's all satanic, and they go, Oh, wow, lightning strikes. Gee, are you smart? You just figuring that out? What an idiot. You know, Zeph, you know, back that, in the uh, the 60s in Hollywood, you had um, guys like Anton LaVey, head of the Satanist Church, who was, what, headquartered down in San Francisco. Is it still that organization that's in charge, or have they um, changed to new names now? What's going on with the Church of Satan these days? Did it well, Anton LaVey... Anton LaVey is considered a joke among the Satanists. Really? He's like, he's just theater. He's nobody. He's a nobody. He has no rank. He's a nothing. He's got no power, no rank, no nothing. He's just a clown. You know, 
shaving his head and having a goatee and putting a like a red cape on and you know doing his thing and and and, and being like a guy that's on TV. No, the the true Satanist would never be Wayne want to be seen with that guy. The real so, Satanists are um, they run um, you know mega corporations and they uh, they dress in three piece suits and. Uh, you know, they ride around in limousines and they, they um, have their, uh, they go to charity functions and they, you know, they're not like Anton LaVey. Do they call they're, themselves they're, uh, Luciferian, Satanist, witches? What do they call themselves? Do they have a, a title? They don't, refer to this, they don't refer to themselves as anything. That, that's the thing. It's all nod, nod, wink, wink, hush, hush, etc. Anyway, but, look. They Anton LaVey would be considered an absolute nobody among the, the real people. Now, I know that uh, Marilyn Man- Manson, before um, LaVey died, went over there to uh, to meet with him and took a picture. And the word is Anton LaVey made Marilyn Manson an um, honorary um, priest, I think, in that uh, Church of Satan. But um, I have no doubt, doubt that, that the guy... Go ahead, I'm sure. Well, no, not, again, Marilyn Manson would not be considered uh, any more than a theatrical, you know, a clown. He wouldn't be considered anything. How would you distinguish two groups? One, uh, they just talk about others, they actually do it, and they would be into the kind of the hardcore uh, kidnapping and child sacrifices and so forth? Well, okay. The actual people that run everything you know, that run the world, all right? They're, like, they would be the high-ranking people. And um, you'd never know who they are. They would never be in the news. They would never be making record albums. They would never be anywhere near entertainment. They would be uh, kind of behind the scenes, you know? But everyone who works in all those things would know who they are because they all have to kiss their ring, if you just put it in a matter of speaking. And... Um, these people, you're never going to see in the news. You don't know who their names are. Anyway, they run everything. And, you know, they will, you know, put up a Marilyn Manson to appease somebody or other. But it, to, entertainment is considered a very low. It's like uh, Caesar. Would Caesar consider entertainment anything but bread and circus, right? It'd be like circus. It'd be something they wouldn't be involved in. Right. They, they you know, they, uh, when, when planes are engineered to crash or when there's a, uh, some kind of a thing like the Twin Towers, which no one has figured out, you know, um, they, they, they will never be figured out. Or when there's a murder in Hollywood, it will never be figured out. It will be handled. The top people will have it covered up instantaneously. Catsy will be found. It will be, or Timothy McVeigh. They'll put a Jolion West, uh, you know, the psychiatrist Jolion West on the guy, and it'll, the whole conspiracy will be neutralized and, and confused, obfuscated. No one will ever find out the truth. People will speculate, but it, it'll just be a, you know, a ball of confusion in the end. Yeah, they have a real uh, network that you could, you could probably uh, find many of the Hollywood elite as members in. Uh, when you hear about rock musicians signing their contracts with Satan, does this really happen? Uh, do do, do people they actually go sign an actual piece of paper that says I sell my soul to Satan and here it is, you can have it? Or is it more like uh, more like, a, a, you know, an internal free will choice that becomes a, a 
Yeah, well, you well, take groups they, like um, Motley Crue, for example. You know, they were overtly satanic um, in the early days, and even in the later days still, in some of their music videos. But, um, you know, did these guys sell their soul to the devil in order well, to get uh, fame? Yes, but how how is how is that accomplished? Um, did they agree to go along with the system of Hollywood in order to get a record contract? Did they say yes to the whole thing? Yeah, otherwise they wouldn't be rock stars. Absolutely. Would you find that a common thread amongst uh, most of those that are up at the top? You know, um, Aerosmith. You know, any of these guys that have you know are still out there and still alive. Um, at one point in time, they, they made a decision to compromise, didn't they? Well, the, the biggest purveyors of... Uh, here's another joke, Jimmy Page. Uh, let's go to another joke, Aleister oh. Crowley. Yes. is considered a, considered a total loser among the, the actual elite Satanists. Really? He's not, yeah, he's considered a loser. He's considered an idiot. Here's another idiot, Jimmy Page, going and moving into his idiotic castle at Loch Ness. Bullish More right. Yes. Putting on all those stupid symbols on the drums and uh, Led Zeppelin, you know, Zozo and this and that, you know, thinking, oh, they're really high-end witches. Wow, that's really something. That's considered idiotic. That's considered, they wouldn't want to, these people would have nothing to do with that. That's, you know, that's carnival sideshow stuff. Well, no doubt Just, that he... he, he you know, he, he means business, and I have no doubt that he's hardcore occult. But what you're saying is the, the there's a levels of the occult that go much higher than that. Well, Aleister Crowley would be considered a very low individual in the actual hierarchy. Amazing. Anton LaVey would be considered an absolute joke, and no one would take him seriously. And both these guys, you know what? Both LaVey and uh, what's his name, uh, Crowley. They both met with the same ends in the end. They died penniless, friendless. Oh, you know, the friends oh, yeah. betrayed them, stabbed them in the back. This is not, um, you know, no. When you have, when these people die, there's a big funeral and there's a procession of limousines and there's a, there's a big reception in the end. And, you know, that's how it goes. Amazing. Of course, they, uh, you know, I look at guys like George Bush Sr., you know, if he's not in the New World Order, I don't know who is. But uh, you look at him, you know, even, you know, he's still alive. What is he pushing in his 80s now? Pushing 90? Yeah, and, he's uh, trying to hang on for, I guess he's going to hang on as long as he can. And, you know, they're, they're still trying to push their agenda through. And you think, man, how deceived these guys are. They're getting ready to, to meet their maker. And um, they still don't want to repent. They really think they can take it with them? Um yeah, well, they, 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 plan on, they plan on being downloaded into a baby somewhere and then okay. having another life. And then the people that initiate that baby, you know, that handle that, you know, it's really more or less, I guess it's more scientific like now. They, they actually so they, believe they're going to get another chance and come back, don't they? They believe that they're going to they're gonna kill whatever in the baby and they're going to put George Bush Sr. in that baby and then Good. raise him up again in the same group, and then he will be given, he'll be able to have all the accolades, in other words, all the power that he amassed and all the uh, the ranking that he amassed and all the uh, all that. I'm using Bush as an example because he could always repent, so I'm just giving that as an example. I don't want to sure. 
say I know what's going to happen to anybody because anyone can change. But all well, right. that's true. So. So okay, but say an elite person, so they 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 you know the general of whatever or some some guy with a high rank. So he gets put into a baby, and then they raise him, and then when he's a kid, they salute salute him like the general. They bow down to him when he's like six, right? And they he tells them what to do. <laughs> they do it. <laughs> Man, you know it's like those guys that um, had their bodies put in cryogenic deep freeze, and if you couldn't afford the whole body, they would at least put your head. And, uh, you know, they're still wrapped in those bags in a, in a freezer right now, thinking that they're going to come right. back. And, um, folks, when your spirit well, leaves the body, they, it's over with. <laughs> yeah, but what yeah. They, they, so, so they raise this child up, yep. you know, knowing that it's really, say, you know, this other guy, you know, the spirit of. And like I said, they give the child the accolades. And they, this is especially true with uh, women, since it's a matriarchy on the earth, you know, these women have to be raised up to be the witches that will be like in the sisterhood that will run the world. They're the ones who appoint the kings and queens and presidents and you know, there be you'll never know who they are. They're way so far behind the scenes they're they're so obscured that they they have only a select few would know who they are. You know, you, you and, find uh, out that a lot of these elite families they uh intermix and interbreed, don't they? They'll marry their cousins and so forth to keep that bloodline going, won't they? Yeah, but they they will, and then the people that keep the bloodline going are the uh, the sisterhood that keeps the bloodline going, and uh, they're the ones who determine the ranking, and they're the ones that orchestrate the, uh, you know, what they're trying to do is breed through all this stuff, and then and then and then you know putting the the, the spirits of people, you know, downloading them into new flesh, you know, to keep trying to. Um, you know, produce this sort of super being, you know. And, and anyway, it's kind of like the uh, movie Dune, you know, where you had the uh, you had the uh, witches were really part of the elite structure. You remember that? If you remember the, yeah. the story of Dune, and, and they they were trying to give birth to this uh, messiah figure. Yeah. And so they'd be orchestrating these bloodlines to to get their messiah. Well, a lot of that is going on, um, but where you have children being worshipped, okay, is usually because they are somebody that has been, you know, that they believe was put into that vessel that uh, that they will salute to. In other words, that would be their elder. Well, they believe whatever they want. Uh, what they are actually getting is uh, demons. You know, it's like when people go to this a seance and they summon up their father and mother that died and they say, wow, I actually heard my own... Father speaking looked like him. Yeah, well, we got to remember, demons, they don't die. They go down the family generations. You know, you could have a demon that go, has been down in your family for 100 years and, uh, you know, can impersonate the dead relative's voice to a T. And, and would a demon want to be, you know, possessed into, you know, possess <laughs> a, a baby or a child and then and then grow up and take over and just push the child aside and then be be that living being themselves and do as much damage as they can, of course. Absolutely. Anyway, but these hierarchies, um, you know, these, these elite hierarchies that are, that are bloodline elites and all that, um, you know, cultivated over thousands of years and all that, you know, they, they, they take all that very seriously. So Hollywood would be considered actually also not, when I say a joke, I don't mean like, you know, they're not a joke to me. But in that hierarchy, Hollywood actors and things like that would be very low and almost non would not even matter to the real to the real power 
elite. They would have nothing. There is no real connection there between Hollywood actors, rock stars, and all that, and the actual elite. There's no connection. I mean, so you would say maybe there's two classes. You've got the actual elitist, and then you've got the lower levels, which would be you know the Wiccans and those in uh, witchcraft. You know the Covens, which uh, many of the Hollywood actors are are actual. Uh, they're members of these covens, many of them. Is that right? Yeah, they're members, but I mean, you know, they would, you know, it it could be that like this. So here's kind of a mind blowing fact: you would have like um, a maid in downtown Los Angeles, let's say that uh, that uh, comes to um, you know Bel Air to work on uh, to clean someone's house, and that maid would be above the people in that house. Wow. And would tell those people what to do. She's got a plant planted in there. Um, I mean, that's that's how it really works, and so no one's going to believe that. Really, you know, that's not the way Hollywood's presented it. That's not the way the people think about it. That a lowly maid could actually be running Los Angeles. Every once in a while, okay. the, some of these actors let it slip. I mean, I heard uh, an interview with Johnny Depp. I caught the transcript of it, and he says, uh, you know, uh, demonized says, sure, I'm possessed. Um, how do you think I can play so many parts? And you hear about the, you know, the different um, things that uh, some of these actors have been involved in, many of them like, um, what's the, uh, the black actor, Denzel Washington? He said, mm-hmm. you know, before I play a part, I sit there and I, you know, I channel all this, um, he calls it, you know, spiritual energy into him. You know, he basically opens the door and a demon comes in and he plays the part. And I looked at Denzel and I said, oh, man, not you, Denzel. <laughs> I, I, I love Denzel Washington. Yeah. I, well, I love, I love all of them. I, I hope they, if they listen to this, they don't get the impression I don't like them. I do like them. I Oh, I absolutely. want to see him pulled out of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but I, I, Denzel, I'm a huge fan, and especially the Book of Eli, which is one of my favorite movies. Oh, that was a great movie. Yeah. Of all and, and and I just you know he's he was also one of the producers on that so I've got to think that he's got the word of uh, reverence for the word of God he's got to have it. Well, I would thought so. He was in the Bible experience, you know, which was uh, he had all the actors come and read the word of God. Now maybe that's an old outdated quote. Maybe he's changed, and I hope that is the case because I like that. Uh, well, you know what? All heroes have feet of clay, so you know he's a, a man like you know every other man that you know struggles with. Good and bad, light and dark, demons and angels. I'm sure we're we're all caught between all that. Uh, I actually, you know, it's funny thinking about Denzel Washington. Before he really became famous, I knew a guy who was the uh, who would be hired to paint Denzel Washington's house. He was the painter of the house, you know, a worker there. But he he got to know Denzel Washington, and you know, he he just said he was a great guy. You know, he really, you know, he's really a solid. You know what he loved about him? He's always loved working on Denzel's house because he'd always get paid, and you know the guy was straight up with him. You know. Yes. Yes. So, so I mean, that's the only connection I have to Denzel Washington, a, a painter that that uh, had, had painted my house. I became friends with this guy. He became friends with Denzel Washington the way I became friends with him, and we actually saw each other socially. And uh, but he vouched awesome. for Denzel Washington. That Denzel Washington early on, he was a, a great guy. There's nothing else he, he had to say about him, and he was straight up an honest, an honest guy, which is what? you know what? right there. That's a good sign because in, in Hollywood, honesty is kind of something that is a bit at a premium. It's not not most people uh, 
lie through their teeth out there. So, <laughs> speaking of Hollywood uh, and the movie making industry, um, you have the uh, the emergence of the the indie films in the last couple yeah. decades. You know, if you go back, you uh, probably one of the greatest stories of an indie film making the big time was uh, Tom Laughlin and Billy Jack, where you know here was a movie yeah. that nobody wanted to see produced and. You know, he funded it himself, and he forewalled it, I guess, as the story goes. He promoted it himself. Yep. And then you have, uh, you know, recent history in the 90s, you know, guys like um, uh, the Mexican producer that did El Mariachi. I yeah, heard he Robert produced, Yeah, I heard he did that movie for $7,000, and he got that money submitting himself to uh, medical testing, you know? <laughs> or, or, that's, or at least that's how the story goes. Yeah. At least that's the the cover story. Where are we and at then, in 2011? Can can a indie film still be made on a shoestring budget? Film, it's making a comeback right now. So uh, yeah, indie films are on um, more popular than ever before. And um, you know, if you want to make a film, you know, you want to make a film about Jesus, now would be the time to do it. You know what I mean? Anyone out there that's got an inkling, you know, people have been uh, practicing up on YouTube. I mean, that's like an independent film channel right there. Every YouTube that's done is an independent film. And it doesn't take, you know, there's techniques to learn about editing and, and you know, and mixing. And, and you know, it's an art form. And, it, it you know, but once you kind of get onto it, if someone has a has a, a bent toward it or a talent toward it, uh, it's a very, like you said, a very powerful medium. And, um I just saw an independent film uh, about a guy who was wrongly sent to prison because of the corruption of the police department, and he was, it's called Conviction. He was sent to prison, and uh, uh, and then basically it was, uh, oh gosh, I forget the actress's name, famous actress, she's, I believe she's an Academy Award, but I forget her name now. Did she go anyway, uh, to DVD, or did it actually hit into the theaters? I'm not sure it was much in the theaters, but it was in some theaters. Anyway, uh, it uh, was a little story about this um, uh, sister. Her brother was wrongly accused by the police, went to prison forever, you know, with no hope of parole for a brutal murder he didn't commit. So she, you know, being in, in, she was in, in poor circumstances, raising a couple of kids, she went, she put herself through law school so she could free her brother. And and right the wrongs of the system, and she did. Oh yeah, and yeah. Okay, true. I saw a trailer on that. Right. Yeah. It's a true. It was a true story. Now that's a story worth telling. There's a good movie about you know cleaning up our about stuff that happens. Told a lot about our society, a lot about corruption, a lot about you know police corruption, and about what one person could do that really has a desire. At one point, they asked uh, asked her, you know. Um, Hilary Swank was the uh, lead actress and at one point, and uh, uh, Sam Rockwell was the uh, her brother. Anyway, at one point they asked her, um, you know, you sacrificed your whole life for your brother, was it worth it? And she looked at him like, that's a ridiculous question. Of course it's worth it. My whole life. My, oh, yeah, okay, she said my whole life, but she was incredible. Trish is chiming in saying, yeah, but she was incredulous. And, you know, at the question, you know, it, it didn't daunt her. She kept on. In other words, there are certain things we're sacrificing for in life that are worth sacrificing for. And if an injustice has been done to your brother, and so you, you take most of your life to become a lawyer so that you can go free him, 
you know, and you have a drive to see justice done because you love your brother, hey, come on, that's a great story. Well, you know, and, inherently, uh, there is good in most people, and they'll latch on to that because that's, you know, that's probably how they feel, too. They, you know, they, they like to see the underdog win. Um, if you've got a script, in other words, if it's a great script, irregardless of whether or not you have the special effects, like most of the big films, it can it can be a sleeper hit, can it? Yeah, absolutely. It's a and, story, yeah, right? It, it's it's always got to come down to the story, to a basic story. And what's a what's a good story? And uh, someone explained this to me once a long time ago. I should have <laughs> followed their advice. But what's a good story? A good story is a story worth telling. You know, I made a, a prediction story. a long time ago. the The world will end, Zeph, when Hollywood stops. Um, making uh, movies with uh, new scripts, and they start to have to rehash things. <laughs> well, you know, Hollywood may be the headquarters of Satan. At the same time, every once in a while, they come out with some good movies. You know, the the, the tragedy of Mel Gibson, someone ought to make a movie about that. You know, here's a guy that, that had, you know, made films that he really felt deeply about and themes he felt deeply about, and, uh, you know, he did some good work, but they hated him. They, they, at one point when he went to the Academy Awards, they all turned, literally turned their backs on him when he walked in. Back he was on top of the world, man, after the, the movie about Christ, because that was such a big hit, man. He made buku bucks on that one. And, uh, yeah, well, he's, he's at the bottom of the heap now. Man, he started and, to uh, take it and it's been one sad story after the next. Now he's involved with that girl. And there's a custody battle, and um, yeah. you know he almost—he's almost paralleling Britney Spears, or um, no, not her. What's the other one? What's this well, he was, girl? Uh, what's this girl that yeah. keeps going in and out of the jail? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, now, yeah, she, yeah. now she's back out, and the controversy is: Did Lindsay Lohan? Did you know? Did she steal the necklace? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think she, nothing but negative press. The thing about Mel Gibson, even though, you know, and, and, you know, yeah, he said some, you know, negative stuff about the Jews. The Jews are responsible for everything. He he was caught up in that. Okay, fine. Uh, but that's not the reason that they, they blackballed him. They, they, they wanted to get even with him because he made that story about Jesus. He made a story about uh, being patriotic, about, you know, the, you know, he made a story about, uh, you, you know, a lot about the decadence of, uh, uh, the Maya, you know, about how a culture can, you know, apocalypto. He makes movies that really, you know, piss them off. And I love Mel Gibson. Absolutely. Some of the best movies ever made, he's done. The yeah, Patriot. absolutely. He's one, he's one of the best. He's a direct, He'll never be known for his directing, but his uh, ability with uh, directing and with the camera and with, you know, as an artist, not just in front of the camera, but behind the camera is absolutely uh, awesome. And um, I, I predict, you know, I just, I think his character, he'll, I predict he'll be back. He'll survive this and he'll be back and, you know, he'll have the last laugh, I hope. I want to but, see him uh, make a comeback. Uh, I like Mel Gibson again. So, such a great repertoire of movies. Uh, I knew some guys who um, did an indie film and I, I think they spent 50 to 100 grand to do the movie. And it went straight to DVD. It was a low budget uh, horror film called Predator Island. And uh, if I got the story correctly from one of them, um, Universal picked it up, and they made some money on that and then went out and did another one. And I think that's all they've done. But um, a lot of people are doing movies straight for video. Look at uh, Steven Seagal. When has he had a big hit recently? 
Yet no, he's a busy he's guy. He's another guy that Hollywood doesn't like because he he's independent. <laughs> he, he won't yeah. bow down. He he's independent. He won't bow down. And you got to love that uh, Steven Seagal spirit because there's a guy. I mean, any he, he he's he's a you know a Buddhist. Okay, fine. But the point is, is uh, he won't conform. He will not conform. He's been doing indie films the whole time. He makes plenty of money doing them. He's also a pretty fabulous musician. People don't realize that about him. Yeah, well, I isn't admire amazing. If, he well, knows how to play the guitar. I've heard his tracks. I've heard him sing. You know, I mean, he's he's great. He's he's phenomenal. The the point is, is that uh, he's basically soft blackballed. In other words, he'll he he can do independent movies, but I mean, he'll they'll never let him in. Hollywood's very look. It's a snake pit, okay, and it's uh, the toughest person wins, and it can turn on people like it turned on uh, Brittany Murphy, who we talked about, who unfortunately is no longer with us. My theory about her is, I, you know, I recognize something in her, in her acting, that I recognize in other fellow brethren. I'm seeing a pattern here, you know, people that, you know, have a mercurial rise and then suddenly there's some weird suicide or something. You know, I'm seeing some kind of pattern. You know, I'm seeing some truth to what Randy Quaid was saying. Another, you know, great actor. I believe he's a better actor than his brother, his brother who gets all the roles, Dennis. Dennis seems to be at odds with his brother, Randy. Right. And, uh, and you know, they're at war with each other. Well, watch this Randy Quaid thing over the, you know, weeks and months. If you haven't heard the end of it yet, I hope he doesn't do something like recant everything he said and suddenly you see him in a string of lousy movies. I hope, you know, uh, that um, there's some follow-up there. But I think we were fortunate enough to have that one press conference where he read that statement about what he thought, Star Whackers, which is a classic, typical... You know, someone who tried to put it in the words, who tried to explain what was going on, but it's really unexplainable because you, like you know very well, Shannon, you're dealing with a supernatural reality out there. Yes. You know, in, in a, is, there's multi levels of spirits and witches and things and people behind the scenes and stuff happens and people get in accidents and other people go up and some people get thrown down when their careers are riding high and they do drug overdoses and the, you know, there's that haunted Chateau Marmont hotel on, uh, on sunset Boulevard where I, I went in there and I couldn't even stay. I was in the bar once and I, that's all I could take. I couldn't, I couldn't go any further. The place was completely crawling with demons from one end to the other. Wow. And that's where, where John, where John Belushi died. You know, it's an old, you know, kind of a French Chateau type thing up on the sunset strip. Well, see, I'm too sensitive. You know, that's been my problem. I, I feel I'm, I'm like, like, you know, be, before um, putting into spiritual terms, like, you know, accepting the Lord and just walking as well. Before that, I, I could, you know, I'm very sensitive in, in the spirit. I can see lots of things, you know, and it was probably because I needed that in order to survive. I needed to know what the enemy was up to because I was kind of like, you know, targeted for extinction and I had to survive. So the psychic powers, if you will, developed in the at an early age. And those powers really aren't powers like, well, when you say psychic, what do you mean? Well, clairvoyance, what do you mean? It means, in my case, the ability to be sensitive to what other people are thinking, what spirits are doing, to things in the other world. Like I could see spirits, I could see entities. Well, I would call that a, a gift of discernment, discerning spirits. 
Well, well, I could be deceived too, but but more often than not, when I get something, you know, it turned out to be true. And that had I not turned left right there when I could have was going to turn right, but I turned left when I was going to turn left, I turned that I not made that turn, I wouldn't be here right now. And my the the way I found out about it was I could hear it, I could see it in the spirit. So from a young age for self protection, that part of me got developed very very high. What it means now is I have a very hard time being in like something like an airport or a bus station or around in a shopping mall because I can sometimes when when I get messed with with the negative spirits. I start getting this like bleed through there. I can hear all kinds of people's thoughts and what they're thinking. You know, it's 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 like living in a horror movie. Well, you know, you know um, I have to get the heck out of there. Spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual attacks are real. There are people that will astral project against you. You'll be sleeping. They'll they'll come out under demonic uh, power to try to kill you. Um, yeah, we have to yeah, keep they, ourselves covered in the blood of yeah, Jesus daily. They 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 come at you like a lot of people out there can relate to this because you've prayed about it you know publicly, which is you know three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I didn't say anything else when I say three a.m. People know just what I mean. <laughs> That's Jeff, the you time. Were not, of, that is the time of a lot of uh, activity, isn't it? Three a.m. When you said it, you said it once on a prayer. Three a.m. I think just like that. Yeah, you need to, you shouldn't say anything else. I think we have. And here's one for me. I oftentimes will look at the clock. It's three thirty-three. <laughs> oh man, I, have I been seeing that one? Or lately, I've been seeing a lot of eleven, eleven, and nine, eleven. <laughs> yeah, nine, eleven, eleven, eleven. But three thirty-three, or a lot of times I'll see three or two. I was actually born at three a.m. I know. I don't know if that's uh, that's the enemy trying to to attack me, or if that's God trying to give me a. Uh, a message, but I, I all I know to do is I just say, God, if that's not of you, I bind it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I bind everything that's in view. But at 3 a.m., there's a lot of oppression, a lot of times. That seems to be the time around 3 a.m. of where the witches take flight, you know, where there's the visitations. And sometimes they try to come in and convince people they're having angelic visitations when they're really demonic visitations or visitations from people they know who have the capability of astral travel. And sometimes you'll see a streak going across the sky, and people go, "That's a UFO." And I'm like, "No, it's not a UFO. That's a witch." Listen, you know, I had but, a guy on the program uh, about a week ago named Trezor Yinyi. He came from the Congo, and mm-hmm. he related when he lived in Africa, uh, astral projection was so prevalent that uh, there there would be spiritual battles going on, and the churches would be praying against these witches and covens, and they would break these silver cords. And the next morning, you'd find naked bodies littering the streets. And I said, what were these? He said, well, these were the people that were asked to project, and they didn't make it back to their body. And they fell naked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. People say, come on, I don't you believe this. That's a good warning. You play with fire, you could get burned. Because if someone knows how to fight that stuff and they can't get back in, that's it. They're done. Well, the word says, lest the silver cord ever be loosened, you know. It's true. Um, you can ask to project under demonic power. And uh, you do that, uh, and you're trying to attack someone. They know how to do defense. They cut that cord. You don't make it back. But um, you would not believe the number of calls we get, Zeph. we got people calling in. They've been attacked at night. Um, they're, being, um, they're being sexually abused. Right. I, we had one person woke up, and they saw three demons on top of them, and they saw the wings fluttering. 
and it was incubus or succubus. You know, these things are real, folks, and you better know how to to do spiritual warfare. Yeah, they're real. Those are real, and um, there's a lot of other things. Like, for example, most people don't know there's like kind of a, we're in a multi-dimensional world where there's a dimension right next to this one that is called the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's not it's the counterfeit kingdom, but it's a real place. And these people can go there like in the physical and they live there. I know this sounds wild, okay, but I've seen it and I could just say that this is a big part of the promise of why they, what they sell out for, that they will be able to live there forevermore. It's a place where all their friends are, where everything is good, where there's, you know, no one worried or, as the song goes, ain't nobody crying, ain't nobody worried. No, I know a place. It's just like that. It's, it's, they call it the kingdom of heaven. It's Lucifer's kingdom. He offers them a place to go, but they don't wait till death to go there. They could go there right now, interdimensionally. And they take their... It's like going to Disneyland. It's, it's, it's everything that they uh, want. Anyway, if you see that world, if you see that that world's really true, if you see, literally, it's a literal, just like this one, exact, as solid as this one, solid, real, and they keep that a secret, and they see that if you've seen it, because they, they, they have guards and lookouts to make sure that you, nobody breaks in, okay, meaning they, you don't see it in the spirit. If you see it, they come after you, and they come after you in this world with all kinds of technology. That's a good way to become a target for gang stalking. Um, anyway, that's one high security thing that they have. There is a world, there is a whole realm, a whole world just like this one, but it's not here. And um, many of these people stay the course of the satanic because that's where they get programmed. That's where they're shown, they're given gifts. That's where they're, they're nurtured. That's where they're given strength. And that's why when you go, well, why do they do it if they're just going to die? Because they don't believe they're going to die, because they believe that's their home, not here. Well, you know, Satan can create any kind of alternate reality in a person's mind that they want. I mean, we've had people that um, got into Reiki healing and got into the New Age in a cold, and next thing you know, they were being caught up in flying saucers, and they were being trained to fly them. Now, they've got some pretty amazing descriptions right. of what they saw. But yeah, well, you know, they're, they're, and they were there. They were physically there. That's the thing. This world is, is it may be some sort of incredible construct of the mind, but it is as real as this place. Anyway, I believe that's exactly what it is. You know, it's it's a mind manipulation. But then again, you hear stories like Doctor Pat Holliday said. Uh, you know, the witch doctor and the man in the city under the sea. Yeah. That one yeah, guy claims no, that I, they have a whole. Um, you know, underworld community under the ocean. That's interesting. You right. know, that and he got there in the exactly, spirit world, you know? Exactly right. Exactly right. But it's and the word real. talks about the, the dead things under the sea. So, you know, but there's there's a lot going also, on. <laughs> it's also in the air. It's it's also on the earth. It's not just under the sea. And the thing is is anyway, you ask, why do they do it? If they know they're gonna lose. They don't know they're gonna lose because they've got this, you know, alternate place to go but for them going there it's just like you getting on a bus and going to a, a park and walking around in the park it's that real well it's you know that, that that's what they they believe and of course uh they believe that to the point their spirit leaves the body and they they wake up in in hell and they realize they were 
deceived, and now they're going to have an eternity to to think about it. But it's too late. Satan well, got them. No, they know they're wrong. You know, somewhere in their mind, they know that you know to get there. See, this place is not open to anybody. This is this is again for the uh, you know for the well-to-do in that world. I went okay. to a funeral one time and uh, of a wealthy man, and he uh, you know died a multimillionaire. Had a Bentley in his garage, a Ferrari mansion, and he stepped out of his body and he came in as he left as naked as he entered this world, and yeah. uh, you know he left it yeah. for somebody else to enjoy. That's that's the um, the trick here. Satan has uh, he's very well financed and he offers you um, a great package up front, but then the retirement plan isn't that great. You yeah, know, he offers you, you reincarnation. Now. You know, he offers you, he says you'll never die. Oh, yeah. You know, he tells you, you'll, you'll never, never die. die. He'll, you'll, you'll, you'll be reincarnated. Or you'll live again on another planet and have all the wives you want. Or, you know, like the Mormons, yes. speak, you know, you'll have 70 virgins in paradise. And and the reality is, um, I heard the story of Anton LaVey as he was dying. And there was a high priestess there he was getting ready to transfer his power to. Um, the, the quote is, he screamed and says, oh, my goodness, I've been duped. I'm paraphrasing. You know, there's something wrong here. <laughs> As he was seeing the flames. Now, I'll tell you a true story. My grandfather's a minister. He's 78, mm-hmm. 79 now. Well, one time he got a call uh, to go in and pray with a guy. Uh, the guy had said that uh, he wanted the last rites. Now, my grandfather's not Catholic, but uh, he knew, one. Of the, I think, the, the wife of the man. And uh, no one else would go in and pray with this guy. But my grandfather answered the call. He goes in, and he got to the emergency room, and there's a, a flurry of activity. You know, you've got these doctors going in and out of this room, and the nurses, and they said, who are you? And he said, uh, well, I'm the pastor. I was asked to come up here and give last rites, you know, pray. And they said, well, um, you don't have long, so what are you going to do you need to go in there and do now? They lead him into the emergency room, and here's a guy, and... Uh, He's almost comatose. My grandfather reaches out and grabs his hand, starts to pray, and the guy comes up and says, oh, thank you for coming. And uh, he just wanted, you know, someone to pray with him. Well, my grandfather said a prayer, and it wasn't long. I think he had, you know, a minute or two. And then the guy passed out, and he comes back and started screaming, the flames, I'm burning, I'm burning. Then he closed his eyes and never woke up. My, my my point is, folks. Um, you take a car out of you take a battery out of your car. The car is not going to move. It's dead in the water. If your spirit was to be removed from your body right now, your body would drop to the ground, and that's what happens. To be absent from the body, to be present before God. We either know His Son Jesus Christ and have eternal life, or we'll be like Bill Weiss, who spent 28 minutes in hell and was allowed to come back and tell the story. You find yourself in a split second, in the moment of twinkling of an eye, in hell in a prison, in torment, waiting for that next resurrection before you're going to be finally judged and thrown into the lake of fire with Satan. And uh, how many people have been duped um, and think, you know, hey, you know, I can I can have it all and then have eternity <laughs> reincarnated, you I know? Pray, I, I pray, though, I, I hope there's some of these people that died ignorant. You know, they didn't know there was a choice. They never heard the word of God. They didn't know about Jesus. They were, you know, they were duped, but they didn't know any better. 
and I'm hoping somehow there was some provision for them. Man, I, I sure hope so. No, God doesn't want anybody to to perish. It's one thing to, to have heard. It's one thing to have heard the word of God and reject it. Because see, to really be a Satanist, you have to know God exists. You have to know Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You have to know that uh, the Bible is true. You have to know the Word and then publicly reject it in some way. It could be an act. It could be anything. But you have to know it exists and then reject it in order to really be a qualified Satanist. You couldn't really be a Satanist without rejecting God. Sort of like the the gang members. If you want to be part of MS-13, you know, uh, it's one thing to say, I want to join, but then they, they actually make you go out and kill somebody as initiation. And so, well, all uh, the gang, they all done that, but yeah, that's right. You got to kill they, somebody. They want an overt sign that, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you mean, you really mean business to the pack that you're taking. We've got about 10 minutes remaining, Zeph. Uh, man, three hours just flew by, brother. <laughs> wow. I, it, it's hard to believe that was three hours. Um, Go ahead, for those just tuning in, go ahead and give out your contact information. All right. Well, you can get me at uh, zepdaniel.com. Uh, if, you, if anyone is out there that wants to write a snail mail, you can write me at uh, 5 Bisbee Court. That's 5 B I S B W Court, 109, Box 16, Santa Fe, New Mexico, 87508. And we love now, to get. Uh, Tell people yeah, about the radio your, program. How can they tune into that, and when do you broadcast? All right, we broadcast uh, well live. You know, during the week there there are you know broadcasts and podcasts that go out all week long, and 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 you know YouTube's and all kinds of stuff that go out during the week, and that that you get at ZephDaniel.com. Otherwise, we have a live show that is uh, two hours every Saturday, and um, every Shabbat, and that is. Um, Let's see, my time, 9 to 11. East Coast time, it's uh, 11 to eleven a.m. to 1 p.m. East Coast time at uh, 13.485 megahertz of WWCR, 13.485 megahertz shortwave. Also, uh, this, there's a stream we have, but you go to WWCR.com and listen to Transmitter 3. There's a live stream there. Or simply wait uh, just after the show, uh, each hour is, is uploaded as a podcast that can be downloaded worldwide or in iTunes or whatever. You can subscribe at SethDaniel.com, and uh, you can get whatever the feed is. Because we have a video feed. We have a, um, we have a podcast feed. There are blogs that get fed. There's, there's, uh, and then there's the, 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 uh, the famous Lizard Index. <laughs> that's, that's a daily uh, – it's just a daily That's snapshot. Cool. It, people check it like they used to check a horoscope. Well, don't check the horoscope. Check the lizard index. Well, amen to that. Don't test his horoscopes. Um, Zeph, do you still are you still on Podomatic or are you on Podbean now also for for MP3? Well, I've, I've got I've got two accounts on Podomatic. There's one that is uh, the. Uh, the Zeph Report, that's zephreport.podomatic.com. Another one that's Zedjah, Z-E-D-J-A-H. .podomatic.com, that's there. It's all kind of getting slowly transferred over uh, to the uh, zephdaniel.podbean.com, which you can get to by going to zephdaniel.com, zedjaw.com, zephreport.com, or zephnet.com. Any of these will get you there. And then we have archives, 
going. And I've got a couple of books there, that one called Lamb that you can uh, actually read as a PDF file or download as a PDF file. Oh, so cool. Free, free to you, Lamb. It's a kind of an epic story of uh, and deals with California and all kinds of stuff. You know, it, it deals with a... Uh, uh, a realm just like this one, and uh, but I won't tell you much more about the story. It's a pretty big book. It's um, you know deals with several points of view in the prophetic end times and how God will use raise up certain people to be used in these end, end chaotic times as we're in now, and um, so it's a pretty interesting book. Anyway, that's there. I do have a Hollywood novel that I wrote in 2002 as I was on my way out of L.A. And I was very traumatized when I wrote it. A lot of people just, you know, um, a lot of, you know, kind of certain kinds of Christians, they really jumped on me for having written it and putting it out. It, it's filled with, you know, profanity and situations that are, you know, probably very real. It, it has some things in it that no one else has ever written about. And um, it's called Glass Backwards. Now, that's available there's a link there to to get the actual book at Amazon.com, but it's not, you know, there's a lot. It's kind of controversial because, look, this was my exit and my nasty letter to Hollywood on my way out. You know, I just it it, it it's a it's a it's a you know I should get back into um. Life that was that was written at the time you were coming out of all that uh, in Hollywood and basically escaping for your life because they intended to actually sacrifice you. And yeah, I, I think God had another yeah. plan for you, and that was to spare your life and use your end-time ministry. Now, uh, let us not forget also your music channel. Um, Zedja is the name of your um, music Well, group. actually, you know what? Is that Sharon, right? I had, I've had to rename that the Zeph Daniel Project because here's the reason. I put out six albums over the years, and, the, and those some of those were under the name Metaverse. M e t a v e r s e metaverse. Okay. Those never got they never got tied into my name or never got associated with me in any way. Oh. So, so I started worrying that if I went with Zedja, which was like a kind of a cool music name, you know, that uh, would it be tied in with me or, or would it just be, you know, if I put an album out or put music out, like released a single, I just released an album, you know, that will be showing up live in about a month, called the Zontara, you know, and it's really, so I'm kind of like, I'm there now as the Zeph Daniel Project, because it ties in. There's been a kind of a, a problem cool. with having Zeph Daniel being a speaker, podcast, and then Zeph Daniel Project doing the music, but the worst problem is, if Zed Jod didn't get associated with me, so I had to go back to Zeph, the Zeph Daniel Project for now. Okay. And, uh, there's about 16 tracks there now, but it fluctuates. There were up, there were like 60 tracks there recently. But how do I people find to... those? Uh, you have a specific you website to... for that? Yeah, you go. I'm sorry, ReverbNation.com forward slash uh, Zeph Daniel. Okay. ReverbNation. And there's a link also on the uh, the main site at ZephDaniel.com. So you go there to ReverbNation and. Uh, uh, you know, the tracks that you played and others. I like to, you know, do tracks also with various singers, as you saw. We did uh, a cover of Jesus is Just All Right with uh, the great uh, Brenda Renee singing. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's my passion. Music is really my passion. And uh, it's, it's something that uh, I feel is really 
almost integral to me. I mean, you know, it's it's almost like air to breathe. And then and then the rest of it, um, I really can't explain it. I know there's a lot of people that you know that have taken issue with my approach to all this, but I think the Lord wants us to do, use our talents. So anyway. You know what? He's given us all talents. We need to use them, not sit on them, right? <laughs> not, well, you know, that music had been a passion since I was a child, you know, and, and, and finally it, I was able to start producing all my own tracks. And that was a great liberation for me, along with producing, you know, the, the, the talks, um, you know, the, the Bible exegesis and, you know, teachings and, you know, words and, just, you know, all kinds of things. But, I mean, it's all really about the two ways it's about following the lord and not the world and um that's why Amen i don't expect, i don't think that uh they'll be calling me up anytime soon to uh call me into the recording studios out in the hollywood <laughs> to to put, <laughs> lay down a track you know to well, hang they, out they, lay down keep track together <laughs> I, I don't see that happening, Shannon. But really, I don't see it happen. But do I care? No, because I produce. It's just the way I want. It sounds as good as anything they can do, and yeah. it's, and it, it you know, and and people like it, and the, you know, it gets into the right hands, and it's all good. I can't. And you I don't have no complaints. What you said about YouTube is true. Uh, maybe we don't get into Hollywood, but uh, it doesn't keep you from uh, doing something that could go viral all over the net. You, well, you don't have to even go viral. What if, what if five people hear the thing that five people are supposed to, you communicate something and five people hear it, and let's say three people get saved, all right? And then, you know, 30 people watch it and three people get saved. Oh, man, all heaven rejoices over that. That's well, great. That, that's, that's what the word says. The angels rejoice over one sinner coming to Christ, right? Yeah, you, you don't need a lot of people. You see, the world's... A term of success, we should forget all about that. You know, it's it's we are we we're forming little communities online of, of you know. I, I mean, I entertain people with music. I entertain people with you know. I talk to people through podcasts, whatever. I don't need you know ten million people to be successful. That's if you know people have come to Christ as a result, or they've woken up, or something happened like that. That's total success. Amen. That's how we have to look at success, not whether or not, you know, you get more people. We've got to forget that kind of programming. That's just the, that's the world again. The world's got it all wrong. You know, not to mention that, uh, you know, God, God keeps good accounting books. And at the end of days, uh, everything will be laid out. And, you know, what we thought may not have had an impact, um, we'll be surprised when we see the people that were impacted and came to Christ as a result of things we did. Amen to that. You know, you can put a little. I see people just doing a little YouTube, just going out and talking and feeling a little shy and having a message they want to convey, and they have no idea how they change. Not just a few people that they change the whole world. Just one little old person doing one little old podcast or a broadcast or a YouTube changes the whole world. Folks, uh, we're out of time tonight. This was Zeph Daniel. ZephDaniel.com. Zeph, it was a pleasure to have you on the program today, brother, short, short notice. Likewise, I, I, I'd love to get you on my show now. We'll love to. We're going to do some more programs together. God bless you for coming on today, brother. Thank you, and God bless you, and God bless all your listeners. Thank you so much. 
you for listening to Omega Man Radio. Our mission is to operate in the threefold ministry of Jesus Christ and take evangelism, deliverance from demons, and miracle healing to the world. If you would like to partner with us, you can support this work by donating any amount online at OmegaManRadio.com. Join us in an all-out attack against the hosts of hell. It's time to deliver a death blow to the enemy and take back territory for Jesus. Tell a friend and support Omega Man Radio. Radio.